Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Big Al Jerkins, formerly of Channel 2 in Tulsa and the sports animal as well. He is in uh, Nashville, just crushing it out there. And uh, he is also uh, going to be covering the Peach Bowl that Oklahoma will be playing LSU in in uh, just a couple days from right now. So we'll get a complete preview of that. Also going to talk some NFL and a number of things when Big Al joins us and catch up with him, see what he's doing as of late when uh, he stops by the Jones Report. Coming up in just a little while from right now. And uh, today we have made our trek to Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Thomas Bridges is here as uh, we're having Christmas with the Bridges family. Tom, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Mahomesmas to you. Mahomesmas, yeah, something like that. Um, Merry Christmas to you, Jones. Now that we're finally at the end of 2019, I don't know about you, but I am ready for 2020. Did you get everything you wanted? You know, I did. I did, and then I just bought myself a little present to myself, and I will be going tonight to Houston, Texas for the Texas Bowl. That's a long trek. It is, and I hope it pays off. Uh, if it wasn't against, if it wasn't Oklahoma State versus A&M, maybe some other opponent I might not be going. But as you know, you always love a good old Big Twelve matchup, as you like, you know, Mizzou yeah. and Kansas, A&M, and Oklahoma State. And get this, Jones. Last time they matched up, don't know if you remember this, Brandon Whedon versus Ryan Tannehill, and now they're going to have your favorite Kellen Mond. Versus Spencer Sanders, hopefully. Kevin Mond, uh, who I have said time and time again is the most overrated quarterback in college football. Um, we made these picks on the show last week, and we both like Oklahoma State to not only cover this game, but also win outright. So I'm hoping that you go down in Houston, have a great time, uh, but I'm believing that you're going to see a Cowboy win. And Mike Gundy is 9-4 and four in bowl games. I love it. And and I really, before the last time we talked about this game, I don't think we knew that Spencer Sanders, it appears that he's going to get the start. And we were kind of unsure whether or not Chuba Hubbard would be playing. He is playing. Uh, Spencer Sanders does appear to, play, to be playing. He might be a little rusty. Um, but I think... That added element of him running the ball as well is something that Oklahoma State missed, and I think it's going to prove to be the factor come tomorrow night at 5.45 Central Time. Yeah, it should be fun, uh, no doubt about it. I I had a great Christmas myself. Got to uh, have a week off work, which is always good, and uh, enjoy a couple days at home. Saw the new Star Wars movie, um, The uh, Rise of uh, Skywalker, and I got to tell you, Tom, I don't know if you've seen it yet. But the new Star Wars, I was a big fan of. I gave it a very good rating. It was very fast-paced, a lot of action to it, good storyline, good acting. Uh, it, it passed the smell test for me. It did. You know, I have a lot of catching up to do, to be honest. And Billy Locke uh, always berates me for not keeping up. I think he's like seen I it should. twice already. Oh, I'm sure. He, and he'll probably see it again. He's a huge fan. Uh, you know, and I I do like a good Star Wars movie. I just haven't really. I wouldn't say didn't won't have the time, but uh, I prefer like a marathon, uh, maybe over. And I need to get my my facts right on these. I need to. I, I like to watch it all together. Like I'm, you know, like a Netflix show. I will binge watch. Yeah. Because I like one long movie, 
and uh, when they finally calm down on the Star Wars, which I'm sure they're already in the in the works of making a new one, um, you know, I will have to have a marathon and sit down and just geek out for a little bit. Well, not to plug Disney Plus, uh, not to give them any more free advertising than they're already getting, but. Uh, one of the Christmas presents I gave somebody was my sister. I gave her a subscription to ES to uh, Disney Plus, not ESPN Plus. <laughs> uh, I gave her a subscription to uh, Disney Plus for the year, and uh, it's got all the Star Wars on there except the new one. And so, besides all the archive that they that they have on there, she can watch all eight of those movies back to back to back to back to back and then eventually they'll put the ninth one on there so i'm surprised there's not a bad way to do that no yeah that would be good i guess i have disney plus at my house i guess i could probably bust that one out as soon as football season's in the in the books uh then i say that until i'm like oh well college basketball is going on an nba so really once we get to the summertime where it's you know, just a boring weeknight. Just baseball. Then I'll probably binge watch that. But uh, uh, you know, I can't hate on Star Wars. I'm not. You know, I'll probably get some flack. I'm not too big on the Marvels. Everybody loves them, and I'm I don't, not I either. Don't, I don't hate them. Right. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna freak out about them like people I'll, do. I'll go to the theater and watch it, but I'm not gonna geek out over it. You know, right. I'll give it a shot, but. Part of the time, like, I could care less about the storyline of this character transitioning to this movie. Like, that's total nerd. Right. I mean, yeah, some of them are, you know, the lineage and how it progresses and all that. Oh, Almost, you're going to watch this prequel or whatever. Like, right. no, no, no. Just, just let me watch the movie. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, that's how I feel. Oh, my God. And that's where I think I differ where Billy loves it. And I can appreciate his love for it because I... They'll talk about it, and, and oh, I, I think we've mentioned Jose on the show before. You've met Jose. We've had a oh, yeah. time. He is the same way. Actually, his birthday is February 29th, not many, so he's turning six this year. And, uh, oh, he's won this, sixth birthday. Right? He's wanting us to go to Disneyland to the new Star Wars exhibit. That's a great thing. way to celebrate his sixth birthday. Yeah, I think so. And I'm not sure if you got to see it touching more so on the Star Wars, but it looks pretty awesome it, it does it looks awesome i'll give credit where credit's due uh i like uh i, I like disney worlds as much as anybody I, I would say that um there is a crowd of folks out there that believe that only families should be allowed to go to disney world i think if you're willing to pay the price anybody should be allowed to go oh yeah there's a guy he's actually uh sings uh karaoke all the time on mine his name's matt he is the biggest disney fan that i've met and he He's dating this girl, I guess, now, and they go. But he has, like, a, a family season pack or whatever it yeah. is. And I th- I swear to you, he goes about six or seven times a year, whether that be Disneyland in California or Disney World. He was just in Disney World for Christmas and went and did it. And he's the biggest, biggest Star Wars fan, pretty big on Marvel, uh, but huge. I would take him on Disney trivia any given day. Are, are you much of a Branson guy? You've been to Branson much? I have, you know, and... I always get these phone calls, Jones. I don't know about you. It's always these random numbers. They say, you want a trip to Branson, just pay the taxes and you can go. <laughs> and I did my research, and it's a real thing. But even if I get two free nights and a, and a $30 breakfast gift card or whatever, <laughs> I still have no desire to even pay the taxes to go to Branson. I'm not a musical fan. Yeah. I, like, I like Oklahoma. Sure. For, you know, those I reasons. I like Silver Dollar City. It's not bad, but... 
Better than Worlds of Fun KC. Oh, I'm okay. That's Worlds fair. of Fun KC is just trash. Right. I mean, yeah, that's why Worlds of Meth. Right. right. And you're going to pay the same price. Right. That and you then, would Silver Dollars do. Right. And then Branson, you know, does have some good food. You can try, like, however many jerkies. If you want to try alligator, yeah. ostrich, probably even dog or cat, they've got it. So I've heard that uh, Dixie Stampede, uh, owned by Dolly Parton, she bought a couple, you know, several years back. Um, they're still doing like reenacting the Civil War at the Branson location, but the one in Myrtle Beach, and she's taken Dixie out of all of them for political correctness reasons right. or whatever. But the one in uh, Myrtle Beach, she's even taken that a step further, and it's no longer about the Civil War; it's a show about pirates. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, for, you know, for what it was, I. I personally, no matter if it's Pirates or the Dixie Stampede, that is just not up my alley. I would not go to that. And, you know, I used to want, and I've ridden these before, and I'm sure you have, but I will no longer ride the Ducks. Oh, no, definitely not. Not after that debacle, no. And I I think that probably... If Schlitterbaum was still up in KC, I would still drive past it. Right, yeah. I'm not trying to drown. I'm not trying to get a head cut off here. I mean, (laughs) but, I mean... Anything like that, I'm just like, no, no, it's better off that I'd not go. Yeah. And instead, if I was going to not go to Schlitterbahn, I would just go to the yard house for that <laughs> right. mac and cheese. Right. Right. Spend all the money that you would spend at, at Schlitterbahn and go to the outlet outlets. stores. And yard house, yep. I did all my Christmas shopping this year, Tom, uh, just solely online. I did not step into one department store. Man, that is insane i wish i could say the same thing i did go to woodland hills okay and it wasn't as nuts on a christmas eve that i thought it was going to be i also went into walmart to get a cheese grater to make this awesome mac and cheese i've been making because i guess we didn't have one at the house so i was just going the old knife method and walmart was the most ridiculous this was on the 23rd it was the most ridiculous that's a bold strategy it was and i just had went in there for a cheese grater and still had to wait in the self-checkout line for at least 15 minutes. Mm. That's tough. It That's was. tough. Um, we are going to talk sports on this program, believe it or not. I don't know about you, Tom, but I am so pumped for these college football playoffs. Um, it didn't really hit me till after Christmas that, you know, it's here. It's time, you know, for these college football playoffs. you got to get through the holiday first. And then here we are just, what, two, three days away from the national semifinals. This is... Maybe my favorite year on the sports calendar. Because, um, I mean, I love the Final Four in college basketball, but I'm more of a football fan first than I am a college basketball fan. To get these two games back-to-back, um, you know, it, it's going to be so fun just to see how ultimately this plays out. you got three teams that all feel like, that, that the nation feels like could win the national championship and wouldn't surprise anybody. And then you got an Oklahoma team who has only one loss in the season that won their conference that deserves to be there, too, that has the right to claim a spot. So um, it's very intriguing. I think this is the best playoff we've ever had as far as the four teams collectively uh, of what the playoff has put together. And starting with that OU-LSU game, you had media day on, uh, on Wednesday, the day after Christmas, and the talk about this Oklahoma team that you heard from LSU time and time again was this LSU group was very confident in themselves. And they have reason to be. They've performed well all season long. But the 
talk from this LSU group was almost an overconfidence of some sorts. They were talking about this Oklahoma team, and you know they said, "Oh, they're a good defense." You know, they've they, they didn't say great things and said a lot of great things about themselves. And you know, I mean, media day is one thing, but it it does feel like, in a sense, Tom, that we are seeing, and maybe it's it's. Maybe I'm overthinking this, but it does feel like there is an overconfidence of some sorts coming from the LSU camp. It reminds me a lot of that Sugar Bowl matchup we saw several years ago between Oklahoma and Alabama. And I'm not saying that this is ultimately going to be the result, that this is what's going to come of this. But it does feel the same way where everybody and their mother is picking LSU to win this game Oklahoma is being forgotten about, being told they have no shot, that they don't belong in this. Um, and here they are with with a shot and a quarterback with a chip on their shoulder and everything. Um, it It's very interesting how this is setting itself up in this direction to be of, you know, you have an Oklahoma team that it's that they have, they're playing with nothing to lose. And LSU has everything to gain from this uh, this national championship, this uh, semifinal, national semifinal, they really do. And I, to me, and you know how Coach O is. You know, after they beat Alabama for the first time since, who a long time, uh, can't even think. You know, the last time that they had won before they beat him, and I think that might have done some. And then you know, just OU not. I wouldn't. I mean, they did what they needed to do to get there. Sure, they lost one game, and and the rest of the three hadn't lost. But uh, at the same time, the fourth seed. If you're, there's got to be a fourth seed, and most generally, the fourth seed is going to have at least one loss. Um, so it's understandable. I just don't get why you need to talk. I, that's and you know, there's different ways of coaching, and there's different ways to get yourself psyched up. And, and you have to remember that these kids are 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 um, playing in this. And when I was that age, you know, we wanted to talk a whole lot of trash, and rightfully so. They've had a great season. Right. But at the same time, it's like, why give the opportunity to eat crow? Sure, go out there and win and everything's fine and good. But if you go out there and essentially shit the bed, then you're in the bed and you're eating crow – and I just don't understand that. I mean, if you lose and you didn't talk any, then it's like, okay, you know, hats off to OU. They played a great game. We had a great season, too. But they bested us when it mattered the most and all that good stuff. And and now you're setting yourself up to be embarrassed. And, I'm not, and, and I think you'll agree that, I mean, we generally think LSU has the best shot to win. Right. OU's got suspensions facing all that. Uh, and, and LSU, talent-wise, at least on offense – I would say a superior. Right. Um, but on paper, it doesn't matter. And that's what's so great about the college football playoff. And that's why I should go to eight teams. And that's a whole different tangent for a different day. Sure. But I just don't get why you would want to talk now. Save it for after the game. Right. You're seeing two completely different approaches to how these two teams are going about this national semifinal. You see an OU team that is coming in with a chip on their shoulder with something to prove. They're not talking a whole lot. Uh, Jalen Hurts, one of the things that stood out to me all season long, Tom, is that he might not be wearing an Alabama uniform anymore, but he still acts like Nick Saban. 
And he still acts like he's playing for Alabama. Um, the, the rat poison thing seems very real. <laughs> that really meant something to Jalen Hurts that he's going to use his entire career because he has not pumped himself in this team at all this season. That They've taken the one-game-at-a-time mentality, the quiet confidence of some sorts. And this LSU team is coming in excited that they're coming in with a lot of confidence and maybe too much confidence. And... I think part of it also might have to do with the experience factor. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I said that I didn't think the experience factor was going to be that big of a deal because LSU is coming into the same stadium they played at just a few weeks ago and won the FCC title. But what we are seeing is that OU's been in the playoff despite how many times they've lost before, that this Oklahoma team is coming in um, being – Consider they've been through this process. Jalen Hurts, this would be his fourth national semifinal. That'll be the most of any quarterback in the history of the playoff, which is just unreal that he's played in four straight. Um, you're not seeing that from LSU. Oklahoma's been this this way before. They're being quiet about it, you know, the quiet confidence. They're not saying a whole lot. And LSU is saying a lot of things. They're talking things up before. LSU is showing so far uh, – that they are the ones that are the first-timers here that have not been through this process. Oh, 100%. And, and it doesn't even necessarily matter, I guess, about the players because they're going to be different, obviously, every year. But uh, it's not just Jalen that has experience. You know, C.D. Lamb's been there. Uh, you know, Kennedy Brooks has experience. There's, I mean, other players on the defense, too. And I don't know OU like the back of my hand, like I could rattle off OSU players. Um, but... That being said, there are players that have been there before, that have been in this process. Sure, LSU's had some good years. They did make some bowls. Um, but Lincoln Riley's been there. This will be the third time? This will be it, his uh, th- third playoff game as a head coach, fourth as a uh, overall. A, right, exactly. Ed O, you know, never been. Never touched the playoffs. Right, exactly. And always have been little brother to the rest of the SEC or, you know, to Georgia or Alabama. And this is their first time in it. And, you know, I'm sure they're excited, and we could talk and talk and talk, and Saturday could come, and else you could whoop that OU ass, and we just are just wasting our breath here. But it's worth noting that a lot of the times when that opponent talks and talks and talks and talks, and you know, we'll you know, I've heard the LSU defense or someone mentioned that they were going to push that OU low line back, and you know, a bunch of different things, and it's just like, all right, guys, stop, stop, right. That's the thing is... What, I don't think Edo is going to be the one to tell him to stop, though, because he's prideful, and it, rightfully right. so. We, we, we're we talking about this right now, and ultimately, it could mean nothing. LSU could have confidence to back up exactly what they're talking about and roll OU. That's certainly possible. But if they don't, we can all point back to this right here and said you guys came in too confident that you underestimated this OU team you were playing. So that's where I look at is we can Monday morning quarterback it later as uh, as far as that goes of comparing those things. Looking at this OU team going up against LSU, you mentioned the offensive line. Is it a good offensive line OU has? Yes. Is it great? No. It's not up to the standard that Bill Biedenboe has put together at OU the last several years. He's been one of the best O-line coaches in all of college football. And that's why his name's been mentioned several times for coordinator jobs in the National Football League. Um, For OU to win this game, they're going to have to manage the clock. 
that offensive line is going to have to step up and play very well. And Jalen Hurts is going to have to not only run the football, but protect it as well. If they do those things, if they control the clock, if Jalen Hurts can run the football, if they can win the battle of the line of scrimmage, and they can protect the football, I think OU should be in this game. And I think OU will be in this game. And, I mean, OU could, you know, protect Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts could protect the ball, which I think is going to be the biggest key. He puts the ball – I mean, if you look at it as – the difference between the Baylor team that OU played and the difference between LSU is, in my opinion, miles apart. Um, and maybe not even as coaching, but just the talent level. There is no way if OU fumbles like they did in that first Baylor game, they, there's, they will get run out of the building. Because you can't give Joe Burrow that much time. You can't give him more possessions. Right, and I think they're going to have to win the turnover better. And it still might not be enough. Uh, but there's, it's the sooner magic. I know that sounds it's like a a, Cliche. Cop, a cop out to even say, but it does. <laughs> and I, as a, a non OU fan, looking at it, just almost frustrating. But it seems like it always happens. And for LSU, there's nothing about that. But for OU, they, it, I, Jones, tell me if I'm wrong. The players, the fans, the coaches, the whole, the whole conglomerate of OU. When things start going wrong, and, and as an OSU fan, when things start going wrong, I'm like, oh, let's just pack it up and go home. For OU, when things start going wrong, it's weird. It's a weird faith to have, but it works. And until it doesn't work anymore, <laughs> then they can do it. But they all have faith. They all believe in the Sooner Magic, and it works. Yeah. Maybe that's crazy for me to say, but they never give up. I mean, you look at this year, for example, all those close games – and probably most Sooner fans would tell you they didn't have any doubt that they were going to find a way to come through and win those games. You know, I, I don't know how real this is if OU locks out in some of these circumstances, but if it gets to a point where this is a close game, I don't think that you're going to have a sense of, even if this game gets a little out of hand early, that OU's ever out of it completely. No, they're not. Um, with that, as far as that goes. Defensively, um, OU has the 25th ranked defense in college football. Miles better than they were a season ago. Uh, below 100. One of the worst defenses in the country last year. LSU ranked in the 40s defensively. Not the defense they would like to have per se. But for the first time really all season, LSU is healthy on that side of the ball. So with that being said, where do you stack up these defenses? Do you think it's a draw between the two, or do you think there's an edge for one or the other? I think that it's it's pretty even when you factor in that OU is going to be down a couple guys, and LSU is ready to go with everybody uh, at hand for Dave Aranda and company to deal with. I would say it's probably pretty equal. And, and looking at it though, as far as you know, the the offenses that that OU's faced. Uh, I mean, the best quarterback that they have faced would have been. Sam Ellinger? Yeah, probably so. And so Burrow is going to bring maybe a different element Carter to that. Stanley. Oh, there you go. There, <laughs> there, you, there you go. Um, so that brings a new element as well. I mean, you do have the Heisman curse playing into it. Maybe I'm too superstitious this show. It's not even Friday the 13th or anything. Maybe I'm playing a little too into superstition. But it's only weird if it doesn't work. That is an ongoing thing. The talk, it almost feels like a black cat crossing LSU's path here. And then I, we could just be blowing smoke here. But that being said, OU's going to face the best quarterback they've faced all year. LSU, maybe, 
I would say probably face their best quarterback they've faced all year, rightfully so. They're yeah. both in the playoff. Jalen or Tua, yeah. Right. right. So, uh, I mean, with that being said. I would take both of them over Jake Fromm. Right. And for, that's not to say Fromm's bad. No, not at all. Right. I mean, I would think Fromm would be number two behind Hurts in the Big 12. Right. Right. But so with that being said, both defenses are going to be tested. Yeah. Um, you know, the offense that OU runs is maybe not what. LSU's expecting, but they got a little taste of Big 12 football uh, against Texas. Yeah, and I think that OU can go back to that Texas tape and look at this This Texas team was not a good team. And they, and they went the toe-to-toe with LSU in that game. So I think there's, even though that was early on in the season, that can be something that OU can look at as a positive sign. Um, you know, with, with these playoff teams, we're going to talk about the other game here in just a second. I think OU's the only team of this bunch that a successful playoff for them is just winning a playoff game. you got to end the streak of these playoff losses, the fact that they've never won a playoff game. The other three, championship or bust, I think, as far as that goes. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know Ohio State uh, not having Urban Meyer, and, you know, Day obviously wants to put his mark on it. And uh, I, mean, I don't think we even touched on just as far as the quarterbacks go, maybe not for Clemson because Trevor Lawrence has been in place. But for the rest of them, Fields, yeah, he came from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Burrow came from Ohio, Ohio State. State. I mean, look at that. That is, um, I don't feel like that storyline's been touched on enough. I think and it really Hurts will get touched. Alabama. Right. I think it will really get touched on if LSU and Ohio State meet in the championship. Oh yeah, that'll be the number one story people are right. talking about. But yeah, very good quarterbacks with all four teams. The uh, best we've seen. I, I, I think mean, so. I think that that it certainly is so. I mean, I feel like Clemson. You know, we, we feel like OU is being underestimated. Clemson, this team, is going to play with a chip on their shoulder. It doesn't seem like anybody's really talked about them until about a week or two ago when Vegas announced Clemson was going to be a favorite. We'll pick that game coming up later on. But to me, I look at this Clemson bunch. You still have Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and Justin Ross as your primary skill position players. Your defense is stacked up with NFL players all over the place. You've played, you know, easy schedule, kind of waiting for this opportunity to get to the national championship of some sorts. Clemson, Tom, get this. I don't know if if you realize this. Clemson's won 28 straight games. They win two more. They're at 30, and we're talking about them getting close to OU's record of 47 straight. I mean, that's how we're we're getting into that territory if they pull off the next two. Everybody, I think, is so quick to anoint Ohio State and LSU. Clemson, by all means, very well, you could argue, should still be the favorite in this playoff with all that they're coming in with, with all that talent there. They have the the best coach of the four and the winning streak they're riding on. You still got to go through Clemson to win this thing. And Ohio State, uh, they're going to have their hands full of that Fiesta Bowl. Oh, most definitely. And that's not to say that Clemson's not going to have their hands full either. But, and and that's the thing, too, you, you see maybe a maturity of a team or who's been there and who's not. And it's not Two of the say, last three national titles they've won. Right, but you don't see, that's the thing, too, that Ohio State could be talking, too, but you haven't heard anything out, uh, you know, anything out of Ohio. You know, yeah. You haven't heard anything, which, you know, they might be at the same time. Of course, we've talked about this multiple times. They, I'm sure Ohio State wanted to play OU. For sure they did. Um, and now... I think they kind of know that, hey, Clemson has been there. They've won however many straight. Yes, they almost lost to North Carolina. 
which was, oh my, that was a game that I was rooting for Mac Brown yeah. uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, with that being said, though, Clemson is just, they, they don't have any injuries to speak of. Right. They still have a three-headed monster in the backfield. You right. know, I mean, it's just a lot of people, because they're not, there's no a lot of storyline, and there doesn't need to be. No. There doesn't need. There's no drama. OU's got the suspensions and hurts coming from Alabama. And Joe Burrow's got the Heisman and Ed Orgeron acting like Ed Orgeron. And then Ohio State, you know, I don't really know maybe what kind of storyline's there, but there seems to be more of a, you know, let's pay attention more to Ohio State than Clemson because Ohio State is just, you know, I don't know. Clemson, I feel like, has went under the radar, and I think Dabo likes it that way. I think so, too. I think they like playing with that edge of some sorts, of, of trying to, you know, play that way of, of, you know, that extra motivation. They like that. That's something that Dabo's done for years. And, you know, are they being disrespected? Maybe so. But I think that they're going to play that up uh, more, much bigger than it really may be. Per se, but the national semifinals. This is going to be electric. Oklahoma taking out LSU in the Peach Bowl. That game will start at three o'clock Central Time on Saturday. Then at seven o'clock Central Time on Saturday night is the Fiesta Bowl between Clemson and Ohio State. We'll pick these games coming up later on in the show. But let's transition. Let's get to the National Football League now. Tom, this is the week that we've all been waiting for. Week seventeen in the NFL. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could play out. We pretty much have an idea, for the most part, uh, the teams that will be a part of this. As, uh, so far, we've had uh, five teams in the AFC and five teams in the NFC clinch a spot. That's already done. So there could be a switch if one team is all, as far as teams that get in. But as far as working out seating goes... That's when this all gets messy. You start with the AFC. The Ravens are going to be your number one seed. That's already done. The Patriots are the two seed right now, but if they lose and the Chiefs win, the Chiefs move up. The Chiefs could fall to the four seed if the Texans win and the Chiefs lose if they fall to the Chargers. So there's some interesting scenarios there. The Bills have already locked up the wild card, but then the Titans hold that final wild card spot and either the Steelers or the Raiders could possibly get in there if things go another direction. You go to the NFC side. The Niners have locked up a playoff spot, but Tom, they could fall all the way from number one in the NFC to the wild card um, and not get to host a playoff game and have to go on the road the entire way if they lose and the Seahawks win. Um, you've seen the Packers and the Saints. They've each clinched division titles, but they're still playing for seeding as well. Shots to be the number one seed. The Eagles, with that win over the Cowboys last week, they're, they still need to win and uh, take care of business to secure their playoff spot. And, of course, the Seahawks and Vikings, they've clinched playoff spots, but um, they're still fighting for seeding per se, you know, trying for that wild card spot. So a lot to figure out. It may sound confusing. Let's start with the AFC side of things. Um, Patriots, Chiefs, Texans, those games this week. We're going to pick some games coming up later on. The Patriots get the Dolphins at home. The Chiefs get the Chargers. And the Texans get the Titans. To me, I would be surprised, Tom, if that order 
shakes up more, much more than it is. I think it's going to stay pat. I think that the Patriots and Chiefs take care of business, and then it doesn't matter what the Titans do at that point in time. I think the AFC is pretty much set with those four teams as is. Yeah, I think so too. But what I do like, what the NFL did, they flexed some games, and I'm correct me or help me out here, but they flexed a couple of games to where I believe that you know if the Chiefs were to win out, that the Patriots couldn't rest their starters or. They had they had touched on that a little bit where they had flexed the game in a way where they avoided teams being able to rest right, their the starters. Right, the Chiefs and Patriots play at the same time. Right. So you won't have any of that. The Texans, though, they could rest their starters uh, because they play in the afternoon. Meanwhile, the Chiefs play at 12 o'clock. Bill O'Brien says, though, they're playing their starters for the whole game no matter what. He says that right now anyway. We'll see what happens. We'll see if he has a change of heart at about 325. Right. Um, but that's what he's saying, as, as is right now. So with that being said, of those four teams there, um, I, I'm looking at this group, Tom. I think that the the Ravens are you know far and away the best team in that group. But then I would say, with the Chiefs being New England on the road – I like them better than New England, despite New England being the higher seed. If we were to power rank this, I would probably go Ravens-Chiefs. I think the Bills are better than the Texans right now. Yes. Um, I would probably go Ravens-Chiefs, Patriots-Bills-Texans. And then uh, I I think – I really don't know. Actually, I really don't know between the Steelers and the Titans. I know they're both better than the Raiders, but I don't see much separation between those two um, as far as that wild card spot goes. No, neither do I. And I mean, I think just any given day, it depends on what Titans team shows up and it depends on what Steelers team shows up. And that's pretty much what it comes down to. And you see a lot of that, you know, when it gets down to these final wild card spots that I would really, you know, like to see the Steelers do well, not only because Mason Rudolph had a quick stint, but. What a story. Yeah. Uh, Devin Hodges is going to start. Right. I mean, can you imagine? I would love to see the Steelers, you know, make a deep playoff run. Obviously, I'm rooting for your Chiefs. Uh, my dad's Chiefs, too. I actually got him KC flag. Nice. He didn't have one. I thought, you know what? That you, We can hang that in the garage, and I can be all right with that. So, I, I, that being said, I guess KC's my team throughout the AFC playoffs. But uh, as far as that goes on that front, uh, there's I can't disagree with you there. I mean, they're – Seems to be, you know, obviously the Ravens, and then it's got to be the Chiefs, not only because they beat the Patriots, but the Patriots have kind of been slumping just a little bit, enough to get by. They did beat the Bills. The Bills, yeah. you got to think, are a dark horse team. Right. I mean, that's the way they've been playing. I, I'm not even sure, to be honest. I'm going to take an L right here. I'm not even sure who the head coach of the Bills is. Uh, that would be uh, Sean McDermott. I mean, yeah, there you go. I mean, is that up for Coach of the Year? I mean, you got to think about this, too. It's a little small tangent away from the playoffs. You think about the Coaches of the Year. It's got to be McDermott. It's got to be up there. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle, okay. And then you got to think. Um, John Harbaugh. John, yeah, that's got to be it. Uh, Tomlin. Uh, uh, LaFleur with the Packers. Packers. There's a lot of different avenues that you could take. You could even go as far to say if the Seahawks get that second or, you know, get – to where they need to be. You right. can even see Pete Carroll. Yeah, you could make a case. And, uh, the addition of Marshawn Lynch coming back, that's a cool storyline coming back. It is. Uh, there's, there's a lot of ways you can go with that if, as far as who Coach of the Year should be uh, in that regard. L- looking at these games, Tom, um, you know, I, I think the in the AFC side, that four I think is going to stay the same in that order of Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs, and Texans. 
and the Chiefs and Texans will have to play wild card games. The Bills will, you know, they already have that spot locked up at that first wild card. That last wild card spot, and this is where it gets fishy with who's playing starters and who's not. In the Steelers-Ravens games, the, the Ravens have already said they're sitting all their starters, and RG3 is going to start that game, and the Steelers are going all in with Devin Hodges and everything. That game starts at 325. The Texans have said they're playing their starters their entire game. That could change, as we mentioned, as they take on the Titans. So with that being said, Tom, if I were to guess right now, I don't see much separation between the Titans and the Steelers. I think they're both pretty even football teams. But I would have to guess, if you made me choose one team who's going to get that final spot, I would guess the Steelers because of the better scenario that they're in going up against the Ravens' backups as opposed to the Titans going on the road playing against the Texans' starters if things hold as they may. Right, yeah, you would have to think so. I mean, the Steelers, I mean, you know how the Steelers and Ravens game is. You grew up a Steelers fan, you still are. Um, and I, for as long as I can remember growing up, you, you remember Ed Reed, Ray oh, yeah. Lewis, versus, uh, you know, the second coming of the Steel Curtain, Paul Amalu. Um And uh, give me the other guy's name. Uh, Linebacker, James. James Harrison. Yeah, there you go. So that has always been, I mean, and if you want to look at Titans, Texans, what there's not much history there. Right. So even though the Ravens are sitting their starters, I still think they're going to have a good showing. Um, I still think the Steelers can pull that one out. And, and if as you far told as, me week 17, Devlin Hodges and RG3 were going to face off in the Steelers-Ravens game, I would have thought both teams were at like five wins. Right, yeah, you would have thought so on now. Uh, the Ravens may be the most surprising team. I, I when, in saying that, maybe the Steelers are uh, just because of the car, you know, the hand that they've been dealt. I know you're not the biggest Mike Tomlin fan, <laughs> but he's pretty much proved himself in the way that Ed Orgeron has. Yeah, he's done a little bit for different scenarios, but yeah, he's, he's done a decent job. Uh, Mike Tomlin has with this uh, Steelers group, but uh, of those AFC teams, bo- both the, both you and I think that the Ravens, you know, are the number one team in the AFC right now, but the Chiefs right there. I think that right now, as far as realistic Super Bowl contenders, the Patriots have a lot of work to do. Not saying that they can't figure it out. And they look good down the stretch against the Bills. Tom Brady played well. Um, They still have a ways to go. I would say if you're going to make me choose Super Bowl contenders, realistic threats to win it all, give me the Ravens and the Chiefs, and I'll pass on everyone else. I think there's possibly a door open for the Patriots, but the rest of that group in the AFC, it's all about the Ravens and the Chiefs right now. And I think the Chiefs have a great shot if if it's a game, AFC championship game in Baltimore between Baltimore and Kansas City. I would give them a great chance to pull off that win on the road. Uh, they already beat Baltimore earlier this year. They beat Lamar Jackson last year as well. Yeah, they definitely could do it, and I would agree. I mean, Tom Brady, though, I will say, I, I'll never count him out, and I feel like it would be almost karma if I didn't mention it. Um, just because he's like a LeBron in a lot of the ways. And we know LeBron missed the playoffs last year. You know, whatever, big deal. He won't miss it again. Um, Tom Brady almost has a mode like LeBron, the zero beer 30. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I don't know what he would call it. But that being said, he almost has that mode where he's like, okay, well, we're done messing around now. Extra TV 12. Yeah, it's it's, it's honestly dumb. It's it's stupid. We said the same thing about the Patriots last year where they were the bottom four. Yeah. They were essentially in the OU position, what OU is now. Yeah. And they came back, and they, I mean, you know, one BS call, 
you know, one off sides not called. Maybe we're talking about Chiefs Rams, and maybe we're talking about the Rams actually winning the Super Bowl, or maybe the Chiefs going back to defend it. Yeah. Uh, and then Tom Brady's there to ruin it all, like he always is. He, I mean, that happens. Darth Vader always finds a way I mean, into the story. Yeah, you got to think so. So I think it is the Chiefs Ravens, though. With that being said, uh, the Ravens are playing phenomenal right now. If it was, I mean. Say you could, if it was at Arrowhead, to give the Chiefs a little bit better of a chance, but we've talked about this multiple times over the season. Chiefs don't even need to play at home. Right. And they might be better off not playing at home. No, their, their um, home playoff record is not good. Right. Um, but we're not going to pick this game uh, because it's such a high line, but the Chiefs are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Knowing that they're still playing for the right to have home field and you know they're, the way they've played in the last month has been so much better as of late. I think the Chiefs are going to make a statement against the Chargers. We saw what they did against the Bears this past week. Just rolled. That defense was awesome. They've only given up 48 points in the last five games that defense has. I think the Chiefs are going to walk in and just pummel the Chargers, going to get on them early. i like them to easily cover that nine-and-a-half-point line. Now you sound like LSU. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, realistically, yes. I, You know, Jones, and I think you'll agree with me here, win or lose that game, and obviously they would love to win. Right. I don't care if it's by one point. I mean, they don't give a shit about the spread. Right. You win and you move up seating. But I think for the Chiefs, and it's been that. We've said this multiple times the whole season. Even if you, even if you lose, if you were to lose – but keep everybody healthy, I think that's the goal. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, this game does matter, but at the end of the day, you're still – you still have one. Right. I mean, if you lose, not the end of the world. Just know that maybe it's not what it could have been. Right. But at this point in time, I think the Chiefs are finally like, okay, we're kind of healthy again. Like, we can do this. We're healthy. We've been playing great. The defense has playing, been playing outstanding. Just added T-Sogs. Right. Right. I mean, I think for this game, you you got to stay healthy. I mean, I know that's being said. You want to stay healthy every game and, and stuff happens. But I think you can't stress that enough because now, win or lose, you still got a tough road. Right. Let's move on to the NFC side now. A lot could go <laughs> a few different ways as far as who this number one seed is going to be. you got three teams with a 12-3 and three record. Then there's the Eagles sitting at 8-7 and seven on the season. Um, your wild card spots: the Seahawks are eleven and four, the Vikings are ten and five, and it, it's wild how this could play out. Here, here's the thing: if the Niners, Packers, and Saints all lose, and the Seahawks win, the Seahawks jump up to the one seed, I believe. Uh, and th- this is just how crazy this is. There's a lot of flexibility. We know who the teams are um, for the most part, other than this Eagles Cowboys thing, which none of them even deserve to be in at this point, but. With that being said, um, there's there's a lot to figure out. I think that when it's all said and done, you have about, I would say, four teams in the NFC that are capable of winning the Super Bowl between the Niners, Packers, Saints, and Seahawks. I don't think the Vikings are. The Vikings have proven to be a frauds. Uh, the way that they you know just uh, hit the bed in the second half against the Packers and that Seahawks game a couple weeks ago as well, I'm, not, I'm riding off the Vikings. They're a pretender. But those other four, um, I would not be shocked if any of those four win the Super Bowl. And the seedings, for the most part, I think if there's a team that you feel you like, Tom, or anyone else out there, between those four teams, if there's a team you feel like you like, go ahead and ride with that team and be confident in them uh, because this one week, yes, it matters for seeding, 
But talent level-wise, no matter what happens, those three, four teams are pretty close no matter what the seed really is. I mean, take example, let's say that the, the, the Saints, they might be the three seed in all this, but they actually may be the best team despite being the three seed. Oh, most definitely. And, and the Seahawks might get the one seed. And you got the the Cardinals. Did the Cardinals just not beat the Seahawks? Is, yes, they did. They're right. And then you have the Rams beat the Seahawks, trounce them. The Rams have been up and down all season. And we uh, don't even get me started there. But um, Rams could have beat them on a, on a you know on a field goal in the first game. But and it matters. It does matter. The Seahawks find ways to win. And they have a great coach in Pete Carroll. I mean, across the board, you have Sean Payton, who's been there, done that, and the Saints have a chip. They do. Yeah. 110% they do. Shanahan comes from a bloodline. Right. I mean, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Pete Carroll. And and then you have um, – give it to me. Um, LaFleur. I mean, LaFleur, who's, you know, not – I mean, first, first go-round, but, I mean, the Packers could do it. Uh, I mean, they could be a dark horse. I think they're the four seed like OU would be, essentially. But right. uh, the 49ers haven't played their best football yet. And it only appears, and, and count me if I'm wrong here, we'll pick the games later, but the Saints look like they've got hot at the right time. They dismantled the Colts. Yeah, I mean, they've been the best team, I think, in the NFC at least. And, and I wouldn't be shocked to see a Saints-Ravens Super Bowl. And, you know, if you want to talk home field or whatever... I mean, the Saints lost at home in the NFC Championship game last year. So, I, I people love the Houdat Nation and all that. I don't think that's a huge deal if the Saints have home field. The only team I see being a huge deal in this NFC if they have home field, as far as what could determine a win or a loss in January, is Green Bay. Um, Drew Brees has not played well in winter conditions. Over the years, uh, the Niners would not be used to what goes on in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has been there, done that. Seattle doesn't have the conditions that it rains there, it doesn't snow. It's still cold, though. It's still cold, right? But I think the only team I think that would have a distinct home field of the NFC is Green Bay. I think so too. And then, I mean, obviously, you have to mention Seattle would be second there because if Drew Brees would much rather play indoors in, in seventy degree, sixty five, right. seventy degree climate. Then have to go and mess around in Seattle, and Lord forbid, go to Green Bay, yeah. where there could be snow. I mean, if Drew Brees was to pull off an NFC Championship, or you know, whatever, if he was to pull off a great game in Green Bay yeah. against Aaron Rodgers, that would oh, I mean, he cemented his legacy already, right? But that would add almost another dimension to it because can you imagine Drew Brees playing in the snow? Oh yeah, I mean, it would be, and you you think about that like. Green Bay has that advantage because of their location. Right. And they use it. It's come in handy. Absolutely. And it's been that way forever. Tom Brady, the same in New England with the snow. It has its advantages. If we were to power rank these teams as far as most likely to win the Super Bowl out of the NFC, I'll take the Saints one. Give me the Niners two. Give me the Packers three and the Seahawks four. But I don't see a whole lot of separation with that being said. I think that is just who those best teams are. But you give the Packers, if they get the chance to host a big-time game like that in January, hey, they move up to two or number one. I, I think that's how I would rate it 
in that sense, but I don't feel confident saying that. How would you rank those four in the NFC? I would rank them exactly the same. However, there isn't a whole lot of separation. But if the Packers were to host, and granted in this situation, it would take a whole lot, I'm guessing, for... I'm, I'm trying to think of the situation that would happen where the Saints would go play in Green Bay. Right. I mean... I mean, obviously, as it stands right now, the Packers are the two, the Saints are the three. Um, so that's where it would be. It would be a divisional game between those two, right? And it'll be cold, and and obviously, I would be more hell bent on taking Drew Brees any day if he's in his home turf. I mean, because Saints. I mean, it, I mean, okay, they got beat last year, and I'm a Rams fan. They got beat on a bullshit call. Yeah, they did, and the that Rams team was great. Rams team was really good, and so was that Saints team. I and mean, even the Saints kind of went through; they endured with the whole Teddy Bridgewater era, little little Teddy saga there. And for them to come back, Drew Brees to beat the touchdown record, all that, and to have that little chip on their shoulder of knowing, hey, we were this close last year. They get a home field advantage. Watch out! I don't know. I don't know that the 49ers could beat them again. And that was probably the best game of the year. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of what the NFL wants. But I feel like after that game, the 49ers have not been as good. Uh, the Seahawks have had their falters. Right. Uh, I mean, both teams in the NFC West could have put that away or put that to rest, and they've been both kind of well, helping right. each other out. When you look at these quarterbacks, uh, Jimmy G has been good but not elite this year, but he has won some big games to his credit. Aaron Rodgers has won football games, but this has not been his best year by any means. He's not throwing the football like we're used to seeing. It's the he's, defense. He's struggling to throw the football down the field. His uh, passing yards, he's got less yards than Jameis Winston and some other quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, the Saints, Drew Brees, obviously, has been good comeback from injury. Russell Wilson was good for most of this year, but he's been kind of down the last couple weeks as well. Those quarterbacks... Um, you know, Drew Brees, I think, could be what separates them from the rest of this group, uh, possibly, is what he puts together. But we'll see what happens. The NFC and the AFC playoffs will know exactly where they stand coming up in uh, just a bit. That does it for the first part of the show. Joining us next is going to be Big Al Jerkins. We'll get his thoughts on the college football playoff and several other things. We'll catch up with Big Al when he joins us in a few moments. Also, Coming up later on in the show, we'll get our Big 12 basketball breakdown, your college football and NFL picks against the spread, and Tom Fullery as well. All that and more coming up on the other side. Stay with us. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is former KJRH Sports Director and also Sports Animal Tulsa Radio host. It is Big Al Jerkins who makes his debut on the Jones Report this week. Big Al, appreciate the time. How's everything going with you down there in Nashville, man? I'm honored to be joined with you. This is awesome. Uh, I saw you on the rant last night with Kate, my buddy Caden, and uh, one thing led to another, and I thought I'd say hi, and here you are. And I remember you hanging around every single sports event that we went to. <laughs> I was working there, so <laughs> it's good to get reconnect. Yes, it's been a while, Al, and uh, I know we got plenty to talk about, but before we do any of that, uh, what's what's going on with you these days? Uh, down in Nashville, I see you traveling a lot everywhere too. What, what's uh, been the adventure uh, like for you these days? Well, it's been good. I haven't had to worry about which highlights to use. I just sit and watch the games, and I get a little irritated sometimes when I sit in the stands and listen to some of the fans criticize plays or calls or whatever. And you don't realize that when you're sitting in the press box because 
that's just second nature to second guess. But when they do it in the stands, it kind of seems a little different. But it's, it's been cool, it's been fun living in Nashville. My wife's family lives here, and we have grandkids here. So it's uh, so far, so the retired life has been great. That's that's fantastic to hear, and uh, I'm sure that you've uh, you've taken a few Yankee games or two here and there as well. Well, of course. <laughs> what I, in fact, I see more Yankee games on the road than I do at home. Um, it's uh, and I, I drive. Atlanta's not too far away. It's only about actually. It's great where I am in uh, East Nashville. It takes me three hours to get to the new Braves ballpark because the new Atlanta Braves ballpark is north of Atlanta, and it's it takes out so much of the traffic that it's a cinch to go to the games where they play now. So I've taken a lot of Braves games as well, but I uh, my brother's in Florida for a horse racing season, so I go down there for a week or two and go to a couple of spring training games and all that other stuff. So I'm keeping my head in it. That's fantastic. Uh, glad to see things are uh, going so well for you. And you're going to be in Atlanta uh, this weekend for the uh, college football playoff semifinal, that Peach Bowl between OU and LSU. Uh, that'll be exciting. I imagine not only for you to, to get down there and get back on the, the wagon again, but to see a uh, really good OU team trying to compete for a national championship. Well, uh, as you guys were talking about last night, the injuries and the suspensions, that's not going to help, that's for sure, but uh, you know, I think this is a different OU team because they can play a little bit of defense and they can tackle. And that's been their Achilles heel in their previous uh, postseason games, in my opinion, at least. Um, I mean, the, the tackling against Clemson in the Orange Bowl a couple years back was about as pathetic as you'll ever see. And I think they've corrected that to a certain degree. So I think if they can stay close in the first half, we know how explosive Jalen Hurts has to hold on to the football. As strong as this man is, I'm, I'm baffled as to how many times he fumbles the football. So if he can keep his hands on it, I think OU has a good chance. Let's, uh, let's start there, talk, talking about this game. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he's uh, had a terrific season, 50 touchdowns this year, leading OU to the college football playoff, winning the Big 12 and everything. Uh, what, what a story uh, for him to do what he's done and, and be in this uh, situation. Are you surprised at all the year that Jalen Hurts had, how well he adapted to the Lincoln Riley system there in Norman? I'm a little bit surprised because I didn't think he was that good of a thrower or passer. Uh, but I think this is exemplifies not only what a great athlete Jalen Hurts is, but what a tremendous coach Lincoln Riley is. Um, because I think for him to get the confidence in Hurts to throw the footballs that he throws, I don't think he makes those throws at Alabama. In fact, I'm almost positive he doesn't make those throws at Alabama. So from that standpoint... I think it's a two-way street. I think Jalen Hurts has improved his status as an NFL possible, but I also think that Lincoln Riley has grown so much with this job, and we knew he was pretty good to start with, but I really think that he had – this really proves how good a coach he is, in my opinion. 
Yeah, he's done a terrific job, uh, again, getting this team to the playoff. I'm right there with you, Al. It's it's incredible, uh, to uh, say the least there. And uh, when you look at this OU offense, uh, the weapons that are there, CeeDee Lamb has been as good as any receiver in college football this year. That offensive line really emerged in the second half of this year after losing four starters a season ago. Uh, it's a different offense than what we've seen from OU. Used to seeing that air raid scheme and this year they've been a little more run heavy they you know don't go quite as fast but still uh an efficient offense it seems uh, that the Sooners have uh, despite how different it is compared to what we're used to seeing and that's okay with me and I'm sure Sooner fans realize that the more clock they take off the less their defense is on the field and I think that's translated into how they played this year yeah they had some the mess-ups. They gave up a lot of points in a couple of games in, in November, uh, early November and late October, but still, uh, as a whole, I think that only helps uh, Oklahoma overall. Is you know, five, Taking five more minutes off the clock, taking eight more minutes off the clock per half is a big deal, in my opinion. Especially when you're playing in the, in the Big 12, and especially if, when you're playing the kind of offenses that teams play now. I think you've got to get you've got to get your defense off the field. I think even more so than it, you used to. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that has been the one secret ingredient overall that has helped, and why I think OU still has a pretty good chance, a better chance in this game than they have had in the past. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what uh, Matt Rowland said when he was going to do when he took over that Baylor job, and he's done just that. Now we're seeing OU kind of, you know do that same type of thing, and it certainly paid off uh, keeping them in these games and not letting them get out of hand. And, and when you look at LSU's offense, how explosive they are with Joe Burrow and company on that end, how fast they like to score and put up points, uh, I mean, you have to imagine they're going to have to slow down this game to try to make this as short of a game as as possible. It is – I keep hearing the comparison, Al, and, and you saw the saw this back in, back in the day. Everybody says that, you know, this is – a wishbone just spread out, and you know, to me, that's kind of like what uh, you know when, when you talk about clock management, the way they run the ball, and everything. I mean, that uh, all kind of goes inside together, per se. Well, yeah, wasn't it Mike Dundee who made that suggestion a couple of weeks ago? That yeah, it's really the wishbone, fellas. And um, so, from that standpoint, yeah, if you throw in those little flare passes and. And and uh, screens and all that other stuff just adds to it. I mean, it is it is that type of uh, grinded out offense. And I personally, I love it because I love to see guys get up ahead of steam, especially running backs when they get ahead of steam and when that pass is perfectly thrown in the flat or whatever, and they get up ahead of steam and they follow their blocks beautifully. That's a beautiful thing to watch. The uh, the circumstance with these suspensions it reminded you of an Orange Bowl several years back. What, what was that game, Al? <laughs> well, I, uh, I was working in Green Bay, Wisconsin at the time, and I'll never forget this because the guy I worked with, um, and I I've always been an OU fan, even when I was a little kid. And I I'll, I'll make a short a long story short. It's because of Mickey Mantle. Okay, Mickey okay. Mantle's my hero. He was from Oklahoma. I always rooted for OU in the OU-Nebraska game, and, and I remember rooting for OU against Ohio State in the whole nine yards when I was younger. So one thing led to another. And so I'm sitting in Green Bay, and it's New Year's Day, and I remember the guy I worked with, we had a little friendly wager on the Cotton Bowl. I win that wager. He calls me and says, let's double or nothing on 
the uh, Gator Bowl. All right, so then I win that one. He calls me again. Let's double or nothing on the Rose Bowl. All right, so I win the Rose Bowl, and he says he's in desperate mode right now. And he says, okay, you got to let me get back in this. I'm taking Oklahoma, and I'll give you, what was it, a 17-point difference? I said, okay, I'll give you a break. And I, I thought OU was going to kill him, too, because this is when Arkansas had eight players suspended under Lou Holtz in the Orange Bowl. OU wins, and they win the national championship, right? They get hammered. They got hammered. So I took a fortune off this guy. A fortune off this guy. Because it was all parlayed into, you know, you know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I'm glad it paid off for you. So, so a similar circumstance you see there between these, these two type of games. Uh, yeah, to a certain extent. I, I still think Oklahoma has... I, I, I think there have been two things that people have forgotten about in this season. One, how good Clemson really is. For some reason, maybe they got tired of the Clemson brand or whatever the case may be, but Clemson is still really, really, really good. And I think the second is that OU is, is better than they have been. They're more balanced from offense and defense, and that's why I give them a shot. Um, LSU, obviously, they're good. Uh, obviously, they played some tough games, but I, I would—I don't—I don't know about you. I think you—you you feel the same way as I do. I would love to spend the next week sitting in Grinch's office, just being a fly on the wall and listening how they plan on trying to defend LSU. They've always had the athletes, right? Right. So they've always had the athletes. On defense and offense, so I would love to. I would love to find out what OU's game plan is for this game to stop LSU. I, I think that would be that would be so much fun to be able to listen in on that. Yeah, I mean, because you look at the schedule of LSU all season long, nobody has slowed them down at all. It feels like everything has been thrown at them, and they found a way to make it work one way or the other. So now, if you're Grinch in this o, OU punch. You got to be thinking to yourselves, well, nothing has worked all season long. What's going to work now, per se? So, uh, it's a great question. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you, you mentioned this defense, just how much better than it's looked this year. The job that Alex Grinch has done uh, so far with this group. Uh, it amazes me, Al. I'd be curious what you think about this. Is that the, the talent? Those guys are the same guys that were on last year's team. Um, the coaching was really the only thing that's changed, it seems. I mean, are, are you impressed that in just one year that, that Grinch was able to transform this defense in this way with the same guys that were there before? Well, you have to remember they're, they're a year older and a year stronger. Yeah. And I think the linebacking crew, aside from maybe one and a half games, uh, looked like they were in the right place at the right time most of the time. And I think the defensive backfield was willing to tackle, come up and make some plays closer to the line of scrimmage. And I thought they were reading certain plays better than they had been. Instead of uh, reacting, they were proactive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, uh, and I think, I think that's, even a half a step in that regard means a lot in this game. Um, and so I think from that standpoint, that's where they have improved the most. And I'm not saying, obviously, uh, Mike Stoops knew what he was doing. Obviously, the other defense coordinators knew what they were doing. I just thought that maybe 
they got a little bit complacent in or expected their same old spiel to work, their right. same old uh, you-rah-rah speech to work, and there needed to be a new voice there, and also, may obviously, a new scheme or a new attitude. Um, this defense, really, there, there was a streak there where they didn't get a turnover, right? Yeah. Uh, it was like four straight games they didn't get a turnover. Is that correct? I may be off a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, they were even able to accomplish what they did without creating the turnovers, and that was a key. So uh, you can imagine how – can you imagine giving this team good field position on a consistent basis? I mean, I, that, you know, that's, that's big. Yeah, it, it reminds me so much of one of the teams I cover, the Chiefs, and just how much they changed their defense this year, bringing in Spagnola and the changes that they made. Uh, they elevated themselves to a whole nother level in just one offseason uh, with, with some of the guys they brought in, bringing in Spags. And now the Chiefs, although they're going to be a lower seed than they were uh, a season ago in this playoffs, I, I feel more confident about that bunch than, than I ever did about last year's group heading into the postseason. Yeah, and watching last night's game, I don't know how much you could take out of how much the Chiefs' defense has improved. Obviously, the Bears are not a juggernaut on offense, but still, they were pretty much in control of that game. The, the Bears never really threatened, right? So, uh, and it, it's so hard in the NFL to have both, uh, both a good offense and a good defense because of obviously the salary cap. But, you know, if they could somehow find a way to get past that first and second game, the Chiefs got a great shot. Yeah. Let's, let's face it, Mahomes is Mahomes. Um, he's he's darn good. I never, I thought he'd be pretty good, but I'll be honest with you, I didn't think he'd be this good. Right. right. I I thought he was going to be a follow another one of those Texas Tech type of guys that comes in and can throw it a hundred miles and and throw it ninety times a game or whatever. But not to this degree of success. He has been terrific. Yeah, he's been fun. Uh, no question about that. Um, Al, I know that you, you've you been watching this line on this OU game and such. The uh, Sooners are now a 14-point favorite. They were 13. What's uh, what's the gambling play here, you think, at this point? Well, uh, OU is at 14. It's, it was 13.5 two days ago, right? Now it's 14, you say? Yes, it's at 14 right now. Um. Uh, you know, hey, I, I take OU in the points. Um, even last year when they took on Alabama, they beat the spread when it all was said and done, right? Yes. Uh, wasn't the spread double digits last year? Yes. Uh, I believe it was the same line. I think it was exactly 14 in that game, too. Right. And and OU found a way. It's really hard to bet against a team that can really score a lot. Um, so I would take that angle. And, I'm, you know, yesterday I, 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 I was – texting you guys on the rant saying 37-34 OU and that little bit of wishful thinking, but I, I think OU in 14 is a, is a good play. Yeah, I think so. Uh, what, who's the best bet you think to to win it all at this point of uh, of those four teams uh, in the playoff? Clemson. Clemson. I, got- Clemson I, think is, I think Clemson is being so underappreciated. And how in the world can a team that starts out the season at number one and have an excuse to say that people are are dissing on us. I mean, it's just unbelievable how people just completely forget forgot about Clemson. Uh, yeah, they had a few rough trips, but they still won those games, right? Right. And yeah, as it stands now, they're about as healthy as any team out there. Um, 
I don't know how you can. I don't. I don't see how you can not say Clemson is the choice. Yeah. That, you could. I don't care what you say about Ohio State, and I, we all know LSU is good. But Clemson's been there. Clemson has won it before. They know what this is about. I think it'd be really hard to pick against Clemson. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Clemson's the bet here. Uh, you know, with where they stand right now, still arguably the most talented team of that bunch too, and kind of just been waiting for this opportunity all season long. And and by far, uh, you look at coaching in this. Uh, I mean, Dabo's the most you know the best playoff coach by a mile of of this bunch. Lincoln's got no playoff wins. Ryan Day and and uh, Ed Orgeron have uh, never coached a playoff game before. It, that's that's kind of play a factor to some extent that that Clemson. Uh, has experience that these other three don't have in, in that sense. Do, do you think that that'll be uh, that'll matter too much, Al? Absolutely, I think it's a major factor. The fact that Sweeney could use this as as you know, to say that we're the underdogs is is. I mean, before the season, would you have even thought he would have that kind of storyline? <laughs> no. Holy cow! <laughs> no way! No way! And, and he is. If there's ever a coach that will play that game, it's him. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right on. I think, I think this is a major, 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 and the fact that Venables is still there is a major factor too. I think that you have to look at Clemson, uh, Al, in the same regards we would look at Alabama in the same situation. If, if Alabama was the three seed in the college football playoff, we would all be sitting here saying, well, just wait, give Nick Saban a month to prepare for this next opponent. They're going to be just fine and probably win the whole thing. In Clemson's case, they've won two out of the last three national titles. Their only playoff losses are two Alabama, one in a semifinal, one in a national championship. I, I personally think Dabo's earned that same respect that we would give Nick and Alabama in this same situation. Yeah, especially, obviously, recently. Uh, I mean, we haven't had the playoffs for that long, and he's, his record in the playoffs is pretty darn good. So uh, I don't know if there's I – I don't know how you feel about this. I don't know if we've had enough playoffs to really size that kind of stat up to see who's hot in the playoffs and who's not. Um, I don't know. I, I'd like to give it like a 10-year to 15-year span to see really how this works out. Sure. Who knows? We may well, – who knows? We may – you know the way things are sounding, we may have a 16 to an 18 playoff in a couple of years. So uh, I don't know if there's enough sample size for to make those kind of analysis. But uh, I think you make a good point. I think yeah, most recently he knows what it's about. The, the obviously the quarterback has been through this before, right? Uh, I, I think that's a I think that's a big deal. Yeah, uh, speaking. I think the I think the fact that they maybe somehow underachieved a little bit as the, but got better as the season progressed, I think is a major factor too. So so speaking along those same lines then of sample size and everything, we talked about this uh, on the rant last night with with Caden and Jacob. Do, do you think it would be a big deal if OU falls to 0-4 in the playoff, if, if they don't win this game against LSU, or if they get embarrassed possibly, do you think that would be a big deal long term, or is this kind of just kind of get forgotten about once the offseason gets here? I don't know. I think, wow. Are you suggesting that if they lose this game that they could fall like a Nebraska has fallen? Or a, I, I'm just saying that oh, I mean, that could kind of hurt their chances possibly in, in the future of if they're 
a team that's competing for one of those spots of getting you know picked over or something in that regard. If somebody said, "Well, we've given OU their shot before," and they just lose in the right. playoffs, that type of ordeal. Uh, I'm sure that would enter somebody's mind, but uh, we all know that Joe Castiglione would be on the phone immediately. <laughs> ever got wind of any of that kind of uh, uh, rumors floating around? <laughs> uh, I think. I think. I don't know. I just think OU has such a tremendous brand in college football that I don't think that would ever, unless they like next year, fall off and go six and six, or you know, not go bowling, or not even get in the conversation, or not have a Heisman Trophy candidate, or something of that nature. Uh, I, I just, I just don't see OU falling to that kind of forgetfulness. Sure. Sure. Um, I, I, I don't see it. I mean, you guys could be right. I, maybe it could affect it in a certain way. But I still think that Oklahoma has a good enough brand that they survive that kind of thing. Well, that'd be good. That'd, that'd be great to see. Do, do you like to play off at four teams, or would you like to see it expand a bit? I'd like to see six, and I'd like to see the first two teams get a bye. That would be, that would be, my, that would be my absolute perfect scenario. I, I don't like the eight teams because I think that's too many, and I think too many years you'd have fraudulent teams in the playoffs that don't deserve it. So I think six would be a nice uh, common sense number and give the two teams that finish one and two the buys in the first week and have the first games maybe uh, as glorified home games for the third and fourth seeds. Something yeah. of that nature. I like that too. I like that. That's that's a great idea. We'll we'll see what happens here. Let's move on. Uh, we, we were talking. Uh, you, you were messaging me about the Thunder. We were talking about this last night of Paul George's return and everything. Ah. He didn't get a tribute video. He got a standing ovation. I thought that was appropriate because of his two year stretch. It didn't seem like there was anything that memorable. Well, yes. I mean, it's like uh, see, I'm. I'm. Let's face it. I'm, I'll admit I'm old school when it comes to this stuff. It's like having Texas retire Kevin Durant's number is ludicrous. <laughs> he played there one year for crying out loud. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, and to be introduced on senior night after they're one and done, I, that to me just destroys the notion of senior night. Huh. And this falls into the same thing. Yes, uh, what highlights were they going to show? He played for two years. They didn't win, what, they went to one playoff round, right? Yes. Uh, with him. Uh, didn't go any further. Was hurt most of the last year. I mean, what what are you going to do? Have him on the training table? Video with getting his ankle taped or whatever? Come on, give me a break. I, I, I'm still with you on that. No, we're getting carried away with this video tributes. and I mean, they did it for, uh, who did they do it for? Oh, I'm a hockey fan, so they did it for a, a returning player. I'm a New York Ranger fan, and a guy named uh, Zuccarello came back. He played for the Rangers for six years. The Rangers didn't do squat when he was on the team, but they gave him a video tribute. And I'm saying, for what? They didn't even go to the playoffs when he was on this team. Yeah, he was well-liked, but so was a lot of people on this team. I mean, it gets carried away, and it, what are you, afraid you're going to insult the, the returning player? If you don't, it, it's kind of like... Giving everybody a, a participation trophy. I'd like uh, Caden's idea of uh, putting a video tribute with the, the Damian Lillard shot. 
No, well, that, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> that would be good. Um, I, I don't know about you, but it's just, obviously, they're playing pretty good now. They've what over the last 10 days, they won four games, right? Yeah, they've played a lot better. I saw them play against uh, Phoenix on Friday night, and uh, I'm surprised how well of a job this young core is starting to come along, uh, in particular uh, what, what Shea has been doing. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been impressive, too. They, they might have some key pieces of their future already. Right. Uh, but, you know, with me being out of town now and, uh, you know, just seeing a handful of Thunder games, it's just I just can't. When zero is not on that floor, I just can't believe it. I just... It's not the same. It's just not the same. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll acclimate myself to it. I'll be I'm I'm going to force myself to do it. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, a couple more things before we uh, let you run, Al. I, I got to know you. You spent many years with with Bill Self back in the day, and uh, this would be good for our Kansas followers and everything too. Uh, what What are some of your best Bill Self memories, or maybe uh, your best Bill Self story? You can you can share with us. I can't share though any of those. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Um, let's face it. We were. It, it was his first year, and he was on such a losing streak. And he started to see the first six games. I think he went three and three. Not only that, they went to TCU and won a game. Um, and then it just. I think they lost like 21 in a row, something something like that. And I mean, having to drive to Eastern Illinois on a bus, and I mean, it was. I don't want to say it was agony, but you get my drift. And how he kept a positive attitude, I'll never know. But somehow he did. But my favorite story was when he was looking for a point guard. And you may have heard this story. One of his first teams, he he goes out to lunch to a subway down on Lewis. And he walks in there, and and a kid comes up to him and says, Coach, can you give me a chance? I want to walk on. And he was desperate, Bill was. And the kid's name was Earl McClellan. And he wound up being the team captain, the team leader. And he was, he was, he, you talk about an overachievement by both player and coach. That was it. Those, that's one of my favorite stories. That's uh, another, fantastic. Another Go ahead. Story, the, the long road trip I told you before we started this interview with Norm Roberts. Uh, Bill asked me, because uh, he knew I grew up in New York, knew I was a Yankee fan of the whole nine yards. And he said, uh, so Big Al, uh, where'd you go to elementary school again? What was that name of that school? And I said, I went to public school 156 in Laurelton, Queens. And Norm Roberts looked at me like I'm, I was from outer space. And that's the first time that Norm and I realized that we grew up in the same hometown because Norm Roberts went to the same elementary school. So, um, and, you know, obviously the relationship went from there. Um, but it's just those conversations that you have on, on, on long bus trips to Omaha yeah, or getting lost in the airport in Missoula, Montana. Here, here's, here's a great story, if I have time. Go ahead. Yeah, we got time. We're, we're, in, we're in Missoula, Montana, and we're trying to get out of town. And they had lost two games in a tournament there. And obviously, there's a lot of snow on the ground in Missoula, Montana in January. So we get to the airport. We're trying to get out on a 7 a.m. flight. And Bill's trying to hustle everybody up on the plane because now the snowflakes are starting. And they, they got, we got to get out of town. And so, lo and behold, 
it, the snow is coming down, and they can't get. Well, they got the plane started, but they couldn't get the defroster, the icer machine, started. And they make an announcement on the PA saying, well, we are not going to be able to leave until the Napa Auto Parts store opens up so we can get spark plugs for the de-icer to de-ice the plane. Lo and behold, we're stuck in Missoula, Montana for two more days. Truth. That is a true story. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. That, that is something else. Uh, I imagine for you, I mean, you, you, you covered uh, his days at TU and, and Rod Thompson being there. Got to be pretty cool to see uh, Rod's son, Bryce, coming up to uh, Lawrence next year to, to join Bill up there. That is great. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm old school again. I don't like kids who drag it out have the big ceremony and all that other stuff. I'm just not into that. But, you know, at least, obviously, it, it, he's going with a familiar face. He's going with a familiar staff. Um, and I think it's great. He, obviously, he deserves the uh, accolades that he's he's gotten. And his dad is such a nice guy. Uh, you, you wouldn't meet a nicer guy than Rod Thompson. Uh, and I hope his son is just like him or like his mom because they are awesome parents. And uh, he should do well. If he too bad he wasn't on the on the line the other day at Villanova, where he could have made some free throws at the end, right? <laughs> they could have used him uh, with that uh, piss poor free throw shooting performance of forty percent from the line that day. But uh, but yeah, he would have been a nice addition. I think it'll be fun to see uh, in town and and uh, get to play of KU. That'll be great, uh, especially with all their going through right now, the NCAA mess. Uh, you, you've seen these type of deals in the past, Al. Uh, this seems like uh, quite the the uh, the thing that Bill's going to have to go through trying to figure out weathering the storm for the uh, NCAA of some possible punishments that could be on their way. I was going to ask you, what what is the latest on that? I mean, is it is it, a, is it newsworthy every single day? Is it being talked about every single day? Is it quieted down any? It, it's uh, quite quieted down uh, over the last about month or so. We're kind of just waiting at this point uh, for you know the process to kind of play itself out. There's not really any news as of late since the notice of allegations, and and uh, it sounds like the timetable is going to be after the season ends when something could go down for this program uh, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if. The NCAA finds themselves more worried about how they are going to uh, pay the players now, or keep or come up with some kind of system that maybe they're a little worn thin as to you know possible uh, uh, sanctions or whatever. I, I don't know if that's slowing that process down or not, or how they're approaching that. Um, uh, you know, uh, from from afar, it doesn't look like it's the greatest scenario in the world for Kansas. But um, hey, he's holding up, and they they still got votes for number one, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, despite even losing Phil Neville like that, they did get votes for number one. So. Um, yeah, that, that group looks good this year, but we'll see what happens as far as the future goes. I'll be intrigued, uh, as long as R.C. Buford's there in San Antonio, I think that, uh, that, that Spurs job could be something that happens down the line, too. You know, we've been saying that for how many years now, though? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'll never forget an interview that Bill did maybe five years ago now. I think it was with Jay Billis, where they do that walk the baseline. Yes. kind of thing. 92 feet, yes. Yes, okay, 92 feet. And 
Phyllis asked Bill what NBA player would he like to coach the most. And his answer was Kawhi Leonard, who happened to be with San Antonio at the time. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe that's, you know, a little bit of a signal that he's thinking about San Antonio. He's thinking about the Spurs. Um, But, again, like I said, that was five years ago, so... Um, who knows where it goes? But I, yeah, I think you. I think you're right. I think Bill would love to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's certainly possible. Especially, uh, uh, you know, Pop, Papa, whenever he's ready to step out, and uh, right. Bill coming down the line here at KU. Maybe the timing works out. We'll see. Uh, as far as that goes uh, down the line, right. I, I got to ask you since, since you're in Nashville and everything, uh, are, are you seeing much of the Titans or Predators out there too? I'm. Uh, oh yeah. Um, I've been going to Vanderbilt games. I had the opportunity to uh, fill in for Bruce Howard for the uh, TU Vanderbilt game here because uh, Bruce had a conflict with football. So I, I got to see uh, all the old cronies. So I saw Jay Seals and uh, Kwanzaa Johnson and J.R. Rollo and obviously Coach. And uh, TU won that game, and they really haven't played well since. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've kept my fingers in the fire so to speak and uh yeah i'm 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 i don't think i'll ever fully be a titans fan or a predators fan but they'll be my third or fourth choices because i'm an old school new yorker and i've always been a yankees fan i've always been a Giants fan i've always been a new york rangers fan and i ain't changing it ain't happening i'm sticking with my teams through thick and thin i've been fans of these teams since i was five years old and I'm 67 now, almost 68. I'm sticking with them. But, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big hockey guy. I always had been. I don't think I heard the Knicks in there. Uh, are, are the Knicks not included? No, no. The only time I rooted for the Knicks was when Starks was on the team. Okay. Uh, when I first started, I was never really a big NBA guy, but I got into the uh, – when I was working in Green Bay and, and, and Wisconsin, I went to school in Wisconsin and stayed there for about 10 years. And I kind of liked the Bucks back then. Um and they had Jabbar, and they had Robinson, and all those, and and those guys. Um, so I, I kind of, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll glance at the Thunder. Obviously, I was rooting for them when we were covering them because, you know, let the truth be told, we want our teams to win so we get to go to NBA Finals right. to get my drift. Right. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah. Uh, but I never really did have an NBA team. Um, just, that's just the way it went. You, you and uh, Caden, I bet in Miami was it was was a good time several years back. Uh, well, it was. Caden will tell you this: it was one of the most hectic trips we ever made because we were constantly in a time crunch, and it was just it was it was really a difficult trip, and the way it turned out made it worse. Um, but obviously, it was fun to go to an NBA final. There's nothing like covering a Super Bowl, though. I, I can tell you that. That is that is the absolute greatest. I've I, never had a chance to cover a World Series. I've had a chance to go to a couple World Series games as a fan. I've never covered a World, World Series. I don't think I could cover the World Series, especially with the Yankees there, but because um, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to be objective. But right. Um, uh, I mean, I, I still. Caden, you know, I, I go to the OU Texas game still, and that's always a thrill for me. 
Um, you know, and I, I, obviously I still follow the teams that I covered and I root for them. Um, so from that standpoint, I, I still feel like I'm part of it. Do I miss it? Of course, I miss going to the games. Do I miss the deadlines? No way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm with you 110. percent All the uh, last thing on this before, before we let you go, uh, I, I want to give you a, a chance here to, to talk about this. A while back, Caden came on this show and told us about uh, about that he let you move in with him for a bit, and uh, and he had some funny things to share. So I, I want to give your side. What, what was uh, it like uh, living with Caden and the uh, McFarland family for for a bit there? Well, uh, they only had one youngin at the time, and I, 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 I tried to. The front door made a lot of noise when we came home, and uh, I could never, I could never sneak in. If you know, what I, mean. I felt like I felt like a kid trying to sneak in with my parents, not waking them up. Because um, I would, you know, I, I stuck because I, 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 I was still doing the radio. Right. Um, I had retired from television, but I was still doing the radio. And, uh, you know, I, uh, geez, I, I can't imagine what he must have thought. I tried to, I tried to be quiet. I tried to keep the door closed. I'm sure I snored like crazy and kept them up. But it was that front door that made so much noise. And obviously, I was afraid I was going to wake up Stanton, the young boy. Um, so. But I, I can't imagine what what, what were you got to tell me what he said. Well, the the main thing was he said that I guess that uh, Yankee games were not allowed to be watched downstairs uh, of right. some sorts. Right. Uh, that was the big one, um, and uh, that the just most uh, general viewing was uh, like you had to keep right. certain distance, I guess, from uh, from the child of some sorts while watching sports. Was the main thing that he said. Yeah, because I because I had a tendency to get a little loud in our office too. We <laughs> told you that. Um, I'd be sitting at my computer, and if someone scored on the Rangers, I'd curse somebody out. Or uh, if uh, Farnsworth gave up a, a an RBI single in the top of the ninth inning for the Yankees or something like that, I'd go berserk because they couldn't hear what was going on on the other end. They just heard me uh, reacting to it. So I'm sure I made a fool of myself in that regard. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is great. Al, we, we appreciate you joining us. We're out of time, but uh, let's do this again. Uh, we, we, we appreciate it, prayed it, and uh, have a great time in Atlanta. And uh, tell us real quick, what's some of the stuff that you and Caden, I'm sure, will be doing down there uh, leading up to this uh, great football game, and hopefully uh, get to see you in New Orleans for a national championship, too. He's the boss. Whatever he wants me to do, I'm doing. He runs the show now. I do what he says, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk. You know, we'll try to get down to the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, strategies of the game and so on, and uh, like we did at OU Texas and stuff like that. I, you know, I he gave me the opportunity to be with him at the uh, at the Orange Bowl last year against Alabama. So I'm guessing we'll probably do the same thing. But whatever he wants to do, if he wants to do a fan package, we do a fan package. If he wants to talk strategy, we talk strategy. If he wants to. Hey, what's going on here? I'm doing it. So uh, he he's the he's the director. That's great. That's great. Al, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. All right, Tyler. Thank you, and thanks for helping Caden and Jacob out. Tell those guys I said hi. And don't forget to tell Coach Self and Coach Roberts I said hi as well. Will do. Will do. That's Big Al Jerkins joining us here on the Jones Report. 
Big thanks to Big Al Jerkins for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. We'll get our picks against the spread coming up here in just a few moments. But first, let's go ahead and uh, do our Big 12 basketball breakdown. Last Saturday, KU lost a heartbreaker to Villanova in the Big 12 Big East battle, 56-55. to A low-scoring game between the two teams. Uh, but KU had every chance to win this game. Uh, you, you saw another good performance from uh, none other than Devon Dotson, who we've been talking about all season long, averaging close to 20 points a game. He's a National Player of the Year contender. Um, he played well, but he struggled at the free throw line, as did the entire KU squad, going 40% from the free throw line. Um, if, if they take care of business at the line, we're talking about a KU win against Villanova. And I'm looking at this KU team, Tom, and I think that they're going to be just fine. They look like one of the best teams in the country, even with the loss to Villanova and such. But you gave away that game against Villanova you should have had. You lost the game against Duke early on. These big non-conference games that KU scheduled to add to their resume, and not to mention they didn't get to play Michigan State because they lost out uh, in the Maui Invitational, these big-time opponents, KU's slightly missing the opportunity on adding those resume wins that they would like to have that could be the difference in between between being a one and a two seat. Yeah, they definitely are. And, and Jones, you called it, though. I've asked you several times, who was it going to be as a one seed? I mean, you got a target on your back. You did say Villanova. You did call it. And you said if it wasn't Villanova, Stanford. And so now you have Stanford coming up for KU. And I wouldn't say just a, it's a must win, but it almost is in a sense of, hey, we can beat these good teams. And Stanford's not the best. Right. But they're a lot better than just an average team. So I think for Bill Self and crew, I think you just need to go out and whoop that ass. Yeah. I mean, Jared Haas and company, they, they've gotten off to a good start there at Stanford this year. But you look at it, the, the thing that I think – it's got a sting if you're a KU fan is those two losses that they have, Villanova and Duke both, not only would those have been nice resume wins, but it was self-inflicted wounds that got that their, their team's way. 28 turnovers against Duke, 40% from the free throw line against Villanova. Both those things, if you just slightly improve, we're talking about two different outcomes in both those games. Yeah, I mean, even 10% on the free throw, you're, I mean, what, they lose by two? Why one? Why yeah? Why one? You you shoot five percent, ten percent, and I don't know what KU's normal percentage is, but I know it's not forty percent. If you shoot normal from the free throw line, you'd like let's see even sixty five percent. You win this game. Yeah, that that's definitely got a sting. But I will say though, those those things I wouldn't be concerned though, in a sense of yes, you're concerned that you might affect your seed line from one to two per se, but. This team still looks like one of the best teams in all of college basketball. They've come close in those games before. They've taken care of business in those other games. You know, winning nine in a row and such. This Kansas team, in all likelihood, is going to be just fine. Oh, yeah, for sure. You stay healthy. You keep going. I mean, you learn from these types of games. And, yeah, it would be nice to actually win them. But they'll have their time. Um, and the great thing about it is they still have the whole Big 12 schedule to improve. And... If you want to better yourself, you know, iron sharpens iron, and uh, KU won't be playing anything less than iron when they do get to the Big 12 schedule. You were uh, at the BOK for that uh, Oklahoma State-Minnesota game. Uh, <laughs> Salt 
TU and Colorado State play a heck of a game. What a game. Three overtimes. Bill Haston of the Tulsa World called it the greatest game in the history of the BOK in its 11 years. Oh, I believe it. I was there for it, and it was awesome. And I... There you was like, a whole game or you, you know, show up? No, no, no. We started. When I got there, the game uh, was just about to start about five minutes before tip. And got there, and I had went up, and, and uh, TU in regulation, I think, was down by, oh, I think they were down by seven or eight with about a minute, ten left. And I thought, oh, that's the ball game. So I went upstairs, and I ran to the bathroom real quick, and I grabbed a slice of pizza, ate it. And I was watching, and then I heard the stadium erupt, and there wasn't a ridiculous amount. It was all orange. Yeah, you had all these fans cheering for TU. Right, yeah. of course. I mean, I we were all cheering for TU, and then they came back. And then I, I couldn't tell you who exactly hit the shot, but uh, there was a number 41. I mean, you can look him up if you want to. He had 25 points. If he wouldn't have fouled out, uh, we're talking about a little different result here because he was a monster. Um, and then that TU, they showed fight. And couldn't believe it. They were a three-point favorite. Yeah. Uh, Colorado State's no scrub, though, um, as far as the three-point shooters they go. They picked last in the Mountain West. I mean, I say that, but their three-point shooters, they were just hitting. And it was yeah. just yeah, – they TU at one point couldn't stop and it eventually got caught up to them. And they I think TU had about two, two to three players fouled by the third overtime. And I think yeah. Colorado State had one. And I really think that was the difference. But it almost went four. Man, that is uh, something else. But Oklahoma State, what what happened to them against Minnesota? You know, I left um, with about 10 minutes, 12 minutes left to go in the second half. Uh, Jones, Oklahoma State, I think, is going to be a tournament team this year. Look at lots figure out. Right, I think they do. I still think they're going to be a tournament team, but are we underestimating this Minnesota team? Because of the ball movement that I saw firsthand and in person – and the three-point shooting ability of this Minnesota team looked like at least a Sweet 16 team. Richard Patino is not a bad coach. I mean, they were very impressive. Yeah, I they, mean. There was a number five. I mean, we, it's I not a bad this. loss. What's bad is how they lost. I mean, they got smashed. And then, you know, Boyden addressed it and said, we didn't honor those uniforms because huh. they rocked the throwbacks. They were really cool to see Ooh. in person. Um, but, I mean, um, without their – I forget his name, Mike something, Mikey. I don't know. I'm gonna. I know Lindy Waters this. played good. Lindy yeah. Waters always did play good, but once they figured Lindy Waters out, he was gonna make shots. They doubled and tripled teamed him and forced anybody else to make a play. You hate to see that. Uh, other games in the Big Twelve you had last weekend. K State loses to St. Louis. The the ghost of Travis Ford gets a victory in KC of all places against. Uh, Gets K State and K State now. It's it's getting bad for the Wildcats. Um, we were talking preseason about this being a borderline tournament team. Bruce Weber. Bruce Weber felt like this team was getting disrespected. Uh, I think that ship has sailed in Manhattan now. I think so too. And I mean, what a great year they had last year, though. And you uh, before that going to the Elite Eight, right? I mean, they you know they. I mean, if you're gonna if you're not KU. I right. mean, when, when you're having to rely on Xavier Sneed, there's going to be problems. Right, and I feel like Bruce Weber might be K-State's Jason Garrett. Um, <laughs> they want to get rid of him, and he, you know, I don't know if he does the clapping a whole lot, but at the same time you have one good season, and then you I mean, pretty much promises him another four years. And then just about the time you think he's going to get fired, he takes you to the Elite Eight. Yeah. Uh, and gives you another four years. So uh, that being said, I mean – you know you're you're okay, you got you got to I mean you got to feel a little good about this. I mean just a little bit, kind of yeah. like yeah. 
I think it's KU, Texas Tech, and everyone else at this point. Pretty much. I mean, it's really gotten to that point. And it could change. Baylor doesn't look half bad, and that would I, that would probably be my third. Yeah, uh, and Baylor is uh, one of the top teams in the country. They've, uh, they took care of business against Tennessee Martin last week down in Houston, 91 to 63. OU got a nice win against UCF, 53 to 52. OU kind of where OSU's at, you know, Good team, not great team. Got to find their team. yeah. Got to find their identity. Yeah, and I think it'll come as the Big Twelve schedule keeps going. But uh, like you said, KU Tech, we kind of knew that going in, and, and then it's everybody else, right? Uh, Providence smacked Texas with that seventy to forty eight win. Um, the Big Twelve has not looked great in this Big Twelve Big East battle. Uh, I, I've been surprised. I thought they would hang in more. With uh, with the Big East Conference than that, you know, with with Texas, uh, you know, they haven't really, you know, I, the way they made the tournament last year, right? Not anything to speak about though, and there's not been any major recruits I think that we need to, you know, would talk about, uh, and and just with the way they take the way Texas sports have gone. I mean, you go out and you get the big hire, Tom Herman. You go out, how I mean, how many years has it been? You go out and you get Shaka Smart. Yeah. And where's the results? I mean, yeah, you're paying them all this money. You have, you know, good. You got all the resources. Yeah, you got all the resources, all the recruiting. Maybe more so football with Tom Herman. But you come, you get him from a small school like Houston. You get Shaka Smart, who had just was historically good for the size of Virginia Commonwealth. And then what has he done? Right. Well, I mean, really, you would think. I don't know. In the time that Shaka Smart's been there, I don't know if they've made it to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, they haven't, actually. Um, I mean, you, you look at this Big 12 Big East battle, you know, West Virginia took care, you know, they, they lost to St. John's. That's a game they could have won. K-State loses to Marquette. I think Marquette was the better team. Iowa State took care of Seton Hall. That's good. Baylor barely beats Butler. Butler's a, a top 25 team, though. That's a good win. Um, you go on down the line, some, some of these other ones, uh, you know, OU lets one slip away against Creighton. Creighton, though, I think is a slightly better team. Not bad. You know, these losses, I I think the Texas loss was bad, the way they got beat against Providence. Um, You know, TCU losing to Xavier. I am surprised that the Big 12 hasn't gone toe-to-toe as much as I would have liked to have seen against the Big East. But none of it is that earth-shattering. I don't think it really affects the league's reputation that much that the Big East has had their way with him in this series. No, no, of course not. I mean, you have, like, you know, basketball now, Xavier, Butler. I mean, obviously, KU and Villanova, I mean, it's it's there, and we, I'm not Big shocked. Big East is a good league. Right, right. This is no, it's no damning evidence that the Big 12 is going to suck this year. The Big East is, and there there's always a team. Xavier's always there. Butler, always there. Villanova. A Creighton, I yeah. mean, with Doug McDermott, you know, that whole, I mean, it's, I guess it's, how long has that been? It's been a while. Oh, my God. His dad's like, still coaching there. It, so. Doesn't it feel like yesterday, though? Right. It does still. Uh, but all those teams are all, I mean, we talked about this with Wichita State when Oklahoma State lost to them. That's all they have. Right. And and, and they build around that. That's, where, their, that's their college football Saturday. Right. That's their bread and butter. So it's And you not, have an entire league of that. Right. And it's not damning for the Big 12 to slip by, and they did get some few wins. The only damning one, obviously, would be Providence. You know, the the, the battles that K, that the uh, Big 12 has, the, you know, the Big 12 SEC Challenge and the Big 12 Big East Challenge. Obviously, you'd rather win both of them. But if you told me which one would you rather lose, 
I'll take the Big East every day. Those right. losses are much better than if you lose the the SEC challenge. Oh, much. I mean, for sure. If they win the SEC challenge, we're going to forget everything that happened in the Big East. Challenge. Right, because I mean, at the end of the day, if we had to fast forward to March, Xavier's going to be there. Butler's going to be there. Creighton probably is going to be there. 12 seed? Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I mean, they're going to – Providence probably sneaks in 16th seed. Right. Like they usually do. It's it's already are all written. But, I mean, obviously you want Big 12 to get the wins. Well, but if they don't, it's not the end of the world. And credit to the leagues because it's still December and we're talking college basketball. Right. These battles are working. They're getting our attention. Right, exactly. That wouldn't be otherwise. Let's move on to uh, picks. Uh, starting out with the college football slate, and then we'll get to the NFL games. Ten games total, five games each. Let's start out with the college football playoff semifinal between Oklahoma and LSU. It is the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. LSU, a 13-point favorite. Tom, we've already broke down this game. Every detail imaginable. So now, with that being said, you can take LSU as a 13-point favorite, OU as a 13-point underdog. We mentioned how this OU team is playing with a bit of chip on their shoulder. LSU may be a little bit overconfident. Is that going to be enough for OU to cover and keep this interesting? You know, I think they can cover, and I think they will. I don't think they're going to win. Okay. I think LSU's going to win. 13 is a lot. Yeah. 13 is a lot of points, and OU, you know, the Sooner Magic might not be enough, but I think... I could see I and I've been saying this. I could see it as a one score game, but when I say one score, not a field goal, I could see LSU winning by between seven and nine points. I think that this game is going to go back and forth for three quarters, but LSU is going to prove to be too much uh, in that fourth quarter. I like LSU by ten, so therefore I have OU covering, but I do like LSU to win the game. The Fiesta Bowl, the second semifinal of the night. Number three, Clemson taking on number two, Ohio State. Ohio State, the higher-ranked team. Clemson, the favorite, though. They come in with a 28-game winning streak. Tom, who gets it done? You know, i got to think so. i got to think it's Clemson. Uh, they have more experience. And it's not to ride off Ohio State because I think this is going to be the best game of the year. I really do. Um, but, I mean, i got to go with Davos Sweeney. I, I, I have to. I wouldn't be shocked, though. It's a toss-up for me. Um, if the line was higher for Clemson, maybe if it was like, I don't know, five and a half, six, probably would pick Ohio State um, because I think the game's going to be that close. But I will go with Clemson here. This is going to be a hell of a football game, but I like Clemson. I think they're the better team on paper. They've been waiting for this moment. Uh, I think that they win and cover that two-point margin. They're going to be just fine. I like the uh, Tigers to win this uh, by a touchdown. I think that's how close we're talking about here. The Cotton Bowl, part of the New Year's Six. It will be number 17, Memphis, taking on number 10, Penn State. The game going to be played in Arlington, Texas, at the Cotton Bowl. Penn State, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Worth noting, Memphis's coach, Mike Norvell, will not coach this game as he's taking the job at Florida State. This is the biggest game in Memphis football's history. They're without their head coach, though. Can they hang in with the Nittany Lions of Penn State? I think they might give them a run for the first half, but I think the Nittany Lions are just going to run away with it. Maybe not blow them out by any means, but I still think uh, I still think Nittany Lions get it done. I don't like uh, teams that don't have their head coach in bowl games. I don't like picking interim coaches. I think Penn State's a better team, and they're going to come in 
more prepared. I like Penn State to cover the six and a half point margin. So so far we agreed to this point on our picks. Uh, the Camping World Bowl, number fifteen Notre Dame taking on Iowa State. Brock Purdy, his final showing of the year. Notre Dame a four point favorite. Tom, Notre Dame has been a mystery. They've given me headache all season long. I pick them to win one week, they don't cover. I pick them to not cover, and then they cover. It's been a mess. They're a four-point favorite. Did the Irish cover against Iowa State? I think so. I mean, I could see Notre Dame pulling this off, but Notre Dame's one of those teams. Here's the thing about Iowa State, too. They haven't had their double dose of Iowa State. Every Big 12 team has gotten caught up in the Iowa State bullshit, and I think it's Notre Dame's turn to get that. And I think Iowa State's going to pull. I don't think they only they, – they don't only cover. I think Iowa State pulls this off, and I think this is a huge, huge win for Matt Campbell in a game that I wish OSU was playing Notre Dame. This would be huge for recruiting for Iowa State. This would be one of the biggest wins in program history. Uh, I will say, if there is a problem for Iowa State, it is the line of scrimmage. Notre Dame is really good on the offensive and defensive line. That could be a problem – for Iowa State to deal with, but I think that they're going to come in motivated and ready to go. This is one of their biggest games ever for the school. I like Iowa State to pull off the upset and uh, cover as well as that four-point underdog. Last college game, the Liberty Bowl, number 23 Navy taking on Kansas State. The midshipmen are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Tom, I like K-State to cover, and here's why. I think not only are they the more talented team, but... They've been running the football with their quarterback, Skyler Thompson, all year. Uh, you're playing aggressive, running up the middle. I know the triple option is different to prepare for, but K-State, that's what their defense has seen all season long. I think that they're going to come in and take care of business and win against Navy, although Navy looked very good this year. I mean, Navy made me eat crow against Army, and we talked about that Army game. And there, I thought there was no way that one of those teams was going to win by more than nine, and Navy smoked Army. And with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and take Navy uh, to cover. If that line was a little bit higher, I mean, two and a half. I mean, you're asking Navy to win by a field goal. I think they do so. Uh, it hurts because I love K State. Yeah, I mean, I mean great I, year for right uh, for Kleiman, his first year in company. You get a win against a college football playoff team. Um, I mean, that right there. I mean, ups and downs for, for K-State this year. A, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. It, it doesn't matter how this game plays out ultimately. The script's already been written for K-State's season. You beat Oklahoma and you beat your rivals as well, in, in, you know, including a thrashing at Kansas. This is just extra at this point. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and for Clement, I mean, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of it was up in the air. Uh, you know, obviously with Snyder leaving, and then this kind of just reassured the K State's going to keep on keeping on, and that the culture of K State, like that we've known forever, is not dead since Bill Snyder left. I think they this is a toss up game for me. I'll go Navy because they made me eat crow. Okay, I'll go with K State here. Uh, so those are our college picks. Uh, we're both going with OU as thirteen point underdogs against LSU. We both like Clemson to cover at two against Ohio State. We both like Penn State to cover at six and a half against Memphis. And we both like Iowa State as underdogs against Notre Dame at four. I'm going with K-State as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Tom's going with Navy as a two-and-a-half-point favorite in the Liberty Bowl. To the National Football League, Seahawks and 49ers. The 49ers are three-point favorites. Tom, both these teams need this win. No matter what happens on Sunday, both these teams need this win. 
home field in Seattle's favor. They won the first time, first go around in overtime. Who gets it done? You know, I think it's going to be the 49ers here. It's hard to beat a team twice. It really is. And, and, and in this division, that is 100% true. Uh, the 49ers did beat the Rams twice. The Seahawks split. I think the Seahawks and 49ers split. The Cardinals almost got the 49ers at least once. And the Seahawks and, and Cardinals split once. And I think this is a split as well. I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. I can't pick against Russell Wilson at home on Sunday Night Football. I just can't get myself to getting to that point. Um, and winning that first game was huge. I think that they'll take care of business as a three-point underdog. So I think we, Marshawn Lynch is going to – do you know why he's here? Well, so he doesn't get fined. Yeah, yeah you think you think that's going to – I don't think them losing Chris Carson is going to be that big of a deal. I'm not a big Chris Carson fan. And you know, obviously I am because of reasons of college football. But, right. Um, that was a nice addition, though. Yeah. Uh, Fresh I mean, legs of beast mode. Right, and you know, I mean, I'm sure he's been keeping in shape despite all the Skittles. Um, it'll be interesting How to see. rival he had? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I'll be that inter- was an entrance. It'll be interesting to see what what he's going to be able to do because you know they're going to they're going to find out what what he has left in the tank, and I think he does have a lot. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Titans taking on the Texans. We mentioned that the Texans, as of now, plan to play their starters. That could change in about 325. Um, they are planning to play their starters for the entire game. They are at home, three-and-a-half-point favorites. The Texans won this game the first time. Tom, can they do it again? I think they can, and this game really might come to bite us in the ass if they do rest their starters. Someone said J.J. Watts off IR. Yes. So he might be good to go for the playoffs. Yes. Is that? I mean, I don't think he's going to play this game. And he might not make that whole world of a difference like he would have done four years ago. But that being said, it is at home. If it was in Tennessee, um, you know, it might be thinking a little bit different. Uh, but I'll take the Texans here. Yeah, the three-and-a-half-point underdogs. I like the Texans to uh, cover as well. I think they'll win this game outright, uh, assuming the starters are playing. Bears and Vikings. Vikings are one-point favorites in this one at home. Uh, the Vikings, they know pretty much they're going to be the sixth seed at this point in time. Um, you know, the, the Bears are, you know, they, they didn't look great at all. They know they're out of the postseason fight. This game going to be played in Minneapolis. Minnesota's going to be too much. I'd like them to win and cover. Um, you know, I think that they'll play, knowing that they have to play next week, you'll see Kirk in that offense play at least the first half, and that should be enough, I think, against the Chicago bunch. I think so. And, and Chicago... Man, what could have been, essentially? Trubisky gave us kind of a, maybe last year was kind of like a, hey, what could have been or what I could be, and then just not. Both our NFC Super Bowl picks are missing the playoffs. Yeah, that's not yeah, ideal. No, it's not. But I think we can uh, I think we can reconcile, and I think we can make a comeback as far as that. I will go Minnesota as well. All right. Uh, the Steelers and the Ravens, we mentioned the Ravens sitting all their star- starters. RG3 will get the start for Baltimore. Uh, Steelers going to go with Duck Hodges as Mason Rudolph is on IR for the rest of the season. Uh, the Steelers are two-point favorites on the road in Baltimore, Tom. Um, it feels like the Steelers are in this scenario like almost every year where they're playing a Week 17 team uh, with a backup quarterback or they're playing with a backup quarterback, whatever. They know they need to win. The Ravens have nothing to play for here. Their guys are just essentially playing for jobs. The, the Ravens, uh, I think, are going to 
are not going to show up for this game. I think the Steelers are going to win this and you'll be just fine by a touchdown, maybe more. I like them to win and cover it too. I think so too. And the Ravens have nothing left to prove. They don't have right. to go out and be a division rival. They don't or They really don't. Nothing scares me about RG3 anymore. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he could have a great game. I think he could have a, a classic RG3 game, but not enough to get it done because the Steelers have something to play for. The Ravens are already like, yeah, man, we're already here. We're cool. Right. Uh, last one, Falcons and Buccaneers. This is our first straight-up pick of the year. It is, uh, it is even between these two teams. The Bucs are at home, though. Neither one of these teams going to be in the postseason at this point in time. Uh, Tom, uh, i got to ride with Jameis Winston to get this one. Uh, I know that he has been a mess this season, but he's still throwing a lot of touchdowns. Matt Ryan's been up and down as well. Um, they're at home. I think Jameis goes out on a high note and he gets a contract extension and is allowed to come back next year as what's been speculated. I think they win and he gets that at least one-year extension. Boy, that is a hot take. I will take the Dan Quinners uh, and the Falcons. I think that... That's going to be Dan Quinn's final game <sighs> in Atlanta. I don't, you know, I think that they could pull it off and I think he stays around for one more year. Your hot take on Jameis Winston is going to be my hot take on Quinn. And I think they get this win. And uh, I, I think they finish out the season strong. I think they beat the Bucks. Quinn for the win. There you have it. Tom going with the Falcons. I'm going with the Bucks. So there's our NFL picks. Uh, I like the Seahawks as a three-point underdog. Tom likes the Niners to cover. We both like the Texans as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Going with the Vikings as one-point favorites. Uh, we each like the Steelers as two-point favorites. And I like the Bucks to cover as an even uh, in a pick'em, he's going with the Falcons as well. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fulbury story of the week this week. Tom, what do we got? You know, Jones, I think we're going to switch it up just a little bit, and it's going to be the most Tom Fulbury that I can think of in a long time because I refuse to believe it. And I know you being a Fox guy is going to laugh and think this is fake news because this is CNN health. Oh, I got friends who've seen it. I like seeing it. There you go. This, I think, is the most ridiculous. This is the time that I will not be a CNN fan because I refuse to believe this. Uh, headline reads, Puppies may be making people sick. The, the Center for Disease Control says, I refuse to believe that. Uh, let's see what CNN has to say. Puppies, cute balls of fur. But according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they're also linked to a multi-state outbreak of an infection that's resistant to multiple drugs. BS. <laughs> uh, this is stupid. No, I believe it. An outbreak strain of Campylobacter jejuni. Don't quote me on that because I probably messed that up. Jejuni. J-E-J-U-N-I. Okay. Has been reported in 13 states and so far 30 people have been infected, the CDC has said. Four have been hospitalized, but no deaths has been reported, the center said. Epidemiologic... I probably messed that up too. In laboratory evidence indicate that puppies purchased from pet stores are likely the source of this outbreak. Many of the cases of contact with puppies are where employers at pet stores, including Petland. We don't have a Petland here. We're no, straight. We're good. We're pet smart people. Yeah, exactly. It said the CDC has not yet identified one common supplier of puppies. It said some of the illnesses date as far as back as January 2019 and people who have been infected from eight months to 70 years old does not discriminate. The symptoms include diarrhea, stomach cramps, and fever, and usually last for about a week. People usually recover without antibiotics, the CDC said. Ways to, get, uh, ways to avoid getting infected include washing your hands and making sure you take any new dog toys to the vet for a checkup. 
Jones. Okay. I'm still playing with puppies. Okay. I'm taking my risk. If you can get over it without antibiotics, I think, you know, I will take my chances. Uh, I am not going to avoid puppies just because some CNN article said that, you know, you're going to break out. I mean, no death so far. Right. I'm good. I'm with you. Um, I think my dog at home, Gordon, you met Gordon. Oh, yeah. Gordon's a good dog, Gordon. Um, He gets me, like, stuffed up my nose. But I just accept that when I'm home. Right. That, hey, if I'm going to play with Gordon hang out with him, I'm probably going to get stuffed up a bit and deal with the consequences for a while. But that's why you take uh, some Benadryl or some antibiotics of some sort, so then you're fine. Uh, it's better than hanging out with rabbits. Right. Yeah, shout out to Brian Nolan. Um, that being said, too, I, I mean, obviously I think your dogs at home are fine. But if you get a new dog from Petland, Petland. of all places, no one's going there. Um, Why would anyone go a pet? Right. I mean, and that almost brings it to don't shop, adopt. I'm cool with that. I mean, to be fair, I don't think I've ever adopted a dog. We've always got them from a breeder because the Bridges are Labs fans. Uh, We love Labs. Really? I've always adopted my pets. Really? That is... Except my my sister, she bought her cat at PetSmart. Um, But everything else has been... uh, We've adopted Right. You know what? I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to adopting, especially if you don't follow Lab Rescue Oklahoma on Instagram, go do so now. Uh, they will have posts that will break your heart, but I know that there are other families out there that give a dog a lot better home than I could, essentially. Uh, but Sawyer, our chocolate lab at home, he is a very spoiled, very jealous uh and my sister brought home two cats from college, and he gets super jealous of the cats. And he, he gets along with them. The cats actually like him more than he likes them. Uh, but with that being said, I guess, you know, go to the SPCA instead of Petland, and I think you might be fine. That being said, still, Jones, if you want to go to Petland, and you know you want to get a dog and give it a great home, the hell with the infection, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, if it's not killing anybody, it's not Ebola, it's not West Nile. It's not AIDS. The hell with it. Go get you a dog. Go get you that dog and deal with the consequences. Exactly. It'll be, I, I think, you know, getting a puppy, I think the infection or the sickness, a week of sickness will be a lot less than your worries when that dog chews up everything in the house. Yeah. Um, deal with that. Take care of the dog. And I think that you're going to be just fine and, and deal with those circumstances. Dogs do a lot more good than bad. I had a, a, a Sunday school teacher growing up, Tom, that told me this example. We were talking about the comparisons of dogs and cats. And she said this a couple different times, that the reason why you take a dog over a cat is they're more loyal. And that to prove that extent, if you die and your body is alone just at home, the dog is not going to eat you. It's going to stay by your side the entire time and make sure you're all right, whatever, even if you're dead. All right. The cat, if that, if, if you can't feed the cat, it's, gonna it's just you. going to eat you if you're dead. Right, yeah, no, see, exactly. That's. Don't get me wrong, my sister has, a, you know, the cats that she has, one, I don't really, not necessarily partial to, but one, Binks, black cat, all black cat, super chill. And uh, he's, he's more like a human than a cat. And 
you know, I'm not necessarily a cat fan, but I'm a cool cat fan. And if the cat is super chill, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. And Binks is a very chill cat. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, my dad, when sister brought him home, my dad was like, nah, I don't mess with the nasty cats and <laughs> all this other stuff. And now they're like best friends. He gets up and I think he likes my dad more than he likes my sister, to be honest. Don't tell her I said that, but... Uh, it's pretty evident. That's hilarious. That's great. Well, that's our Tom Fulry story for this week. The, the other story we could have gone with, and, and maybe we'll save this for another day, maybe not. Um, Salon had an article out today that uh, that Hallmark movies, did, did you watch any Hallmark Christmas movies? I did not. So Salon had an article out today that Hallmark movies are fascist propaganda. Oh my God, I wouldn't you, say that. Do you believe that? I don't know. My mom likes the light and air. She has watched enough Hallmark movies this season to uh, allow me to to forego that whole thing. Another thing about Hallmark, okay, Jones, they're shutting down stores. I thought I saw one in Casey. Really? They're shutting down the Hallmark store in Bartlesville and in Woodland Hills. I've only gone to the stores like once or right. twice. Right. Nobody goes and buys ten dollars. Yeah. Nobody goes and buys ten dollar, you know, thank you cards. You Remember what Ron Swanson said about birthdays? What'd he say? He said that birthdays are just a scam created by Hallmark to sell cards. I can see it. Yeah, I'm not paying $10 for a card. Yeah. I don't uh, care how much I like you. No, thanks. I only watched one Hallmark movie, and it had uh, my girl Christian Chenoweth, who's from Broken Arrow. There, yeah, there, see, that's all right. That's fair. Just one. You, you can do that. Fair enough. On that note, let's get out of here today. Big thanks to... Big Al Jerkins for joining us. A legend in Big Al Jerkins. You, you grew up watching Big Al. Oh, yeah. You can't go wrong with Big Al. I mean, if he was in a Hallmark movie, I would I'll, watch that too. <laughs> but only that he's from Tulsa. If he was from Coweta, where you're from, Jones, I'm not from I, might, I might not watch it. I'm from Broken Arrow. There you go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be watching Coweta, people. Not, no Hallmark movie about Coweta. Not yet. Not yet. Um, but we'll watch Big Al in a Hallmark movie. We need to make that happen next. I'm surprised he's not already been cast. That would be quite the love tale right there. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. On that note, we'll get out of here today. Big thanks to uh, Big Al for joining us. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review, or don't leave us one at all. And uh, follow us on Twitter, at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, and Jones underscore report, and we'll see you right back here next week. Enjoy the college football playoff semifinals, and we'll see you on the other side. So long, everybody. The Jones report. F yeah.